we're not going to hash out the rape discussion because we're doing a podcast that is nominally not about rape. Really hardcore DIY stuff. You need to root out and kick out your players now. Bigfoot is Jewish and he's not in fact Thanos. Sometimes I do like a murder crawl. I don't need a graph of all your friendships, Jack! That would be an excellent shitpost. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Little Wars. I am, as always, your host, Mongoose Kikimura. And with me, on my right, I've got Jack Karanet. And on my left, our good buddy, John. Uh, hey, Jack, yo, buddy, still alive? Still alive. Kicking. John, how you doing? I'm here, not quite kicking and screaming, but I am certainly still alive. Mm. Oh, I'm screaming, all right. <laughs> Uh, so, I scream, you scream, we all scream for the Yoda bit in the comments section, apparently. No. But, all that aside, uh, what has everybody done this week for, uh, gaming? John, you done anything interesting? Uh, well, we did, uh, Jack's, uh, a Session Zero for his role-playing game. Uh, didn't quite follow the entire outline that we went over on the last episode, but we did hit a lot of points of it, uh, largely because I was trying to force us to do so. Because Jack is just too chill for his own good. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I am, I am chill, but I also, I was also getting things together, you know, and trying to help people out, like, you know, DMing. And that's another thing about doing a session zero over, you know, the internet versus in person is that, is that you need to split your attention between multiple different people. But yeah, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that's true, and and you did have the difficulty in that uh, several of your players had not even opened up the rule book yet. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we were so we were getting our characters together, and everyone was asking each other questions and everything like that, and uh, and I had to I had to very specifically DM a couple of people in in conversation about about how to build their character in the game because. Despite the fact that I posted the link to the rule book, nobody had actually cracked open the rule book yet. So, well, not not nobody. Uh, Buster well, and I both. Oh yeah, books. you're right. I apologize. Yes, uh, it just felt like nobody because I was answering so many questions. So yeah. Well, one thing that I was wondering about was why didn't you direct those questions out into the open where everybody could talk about it instead of just you know keeping it in the uh, the private messages. A uh, couple of reasons. Uh, one, they were kind of pointed questions that didn't really, you know, affect the other people, like asking about their specializations or whatever. And the other, th- the other reason is that I was trying to give them one-on-one help. Uh, but yeah, you're probably right. It probably would have been better to to just have it in the open, you know. Well, one one-on-one help is not a bad thing for sure, but uh one of the things about being a game master, especially with a system that has more complex rules, which Edge of the Empire, although not like ridiculously crunchy, there are quite a bit of rules, is that yeah. it's not harmful to delegate to players who are more familiar with the rules to help other players who aren't familiar with the rules. And we did that a <laughs> bit. There was, you know, there was a bit of asking questions and, and both Bustard and I were able to help direct people. But uh, that's one thing that I think uh, could potentially be a source of improvement uh, would be 
learning to delegate in a way to help others fill in for gaps because we are all new to this system. So as we get into it and learn it more together, it's all right if you don't know everything because you've got people at your back who can help you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you, and, you and Buster definitely had a better uh, grasp of things. Uh, I mean, you know, not specifically the game rules. And uh, yeah, that would have been that would have been really helpful, like, you know, uh, delegating some things. But yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Just something to think of going forward. Yeah, so. But uh, I will say that uh, out of that uh, session zero, uh, because I brought up things like the group template, we had a really cool moment where I explained the concept for my character. Uh, two of your uh, other players mentioned the concept for their character, and we were able to work together to figure out how, how those backgrounds could interact to create a, an actually really interesting dynamic between those characters that can lead to uh, potential future role playing, which I'm really excited about. Yes, me too. So that's the kind of thing that I think uh, that the Session Zero is so good at and that the group template, which I brought up, uh, is very useful for because you can come up with those pre-baked interactions that don't necessarily mean that your characters would already know each other in depth, but they've met before today and they have things to talk about. And then you can explore those things as you roleplay through just like idle conversation. Like, have you guys played the Mass Effect game where you're going up and down the elevator your party members will just have a conversation that'll like kind of fill in their backgrounds a little bit or their personalities. Uh, no. I've never actually played Mass Effect. I don't play a whole lot of. Okay, games. well, that was a that was a useless <laughs> example then. But uh, no, in in Mass Effect, as you're going up and down these elevators, which are basically disguised loading screens, whichever companions you bring along can have these background conversations that kind of fill you in a little bit about their personality, what they've been through, what they think about each other. Well, by having those pre-existing uh, dynamics between characters, you allow for the seed for improv in the interactions. Kind of like how uh, Roscoe and Stone did in your uh, last campaign, Mongoose. Oh, yeah, where yeah. Where they they'd be like, oh, this reminds me of this. Uh, don't you remember that? And it was obviously not something they'd planned, but because of their predetermined shared background, it gave them something to go off of from there. So that's a really cool thing. I recommend more people try that out. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I'm, I like it when people agree with me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it was it was a nice it was it was a nice session. We we kinda we also kinda got to know each other a little bit, uh, because yeah. because I have two groups of people that have never met each other, so it was kind of, you know, a time for introductions and everything. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. that and that's that's also a great thing for a session zero is that you get to break the ice before you make fools of yourselves by acting as fictional people in front of each other. Yeah, it was it was also pretty nice to be able to uh to give everyone's like I wouldn't say backstory but kind of their their starting place in the in the game so that you didn't have to go over it at the very first session. So yeah. like so like I I I told everyone where they were starting at. I was I told everyone how much equipment they had i was telling people you know what they're you know um <clears throat> you know they were they were explain trying to explain their backstories and i uh i gave them i gave them what their starting equipment was which in this case was a ship uh mm -hmm. you know a beat up ship but still a ship and uh, i also i also gave them their first contacts and everything like that so 
Yeah, and you also, in between, uh, you know, after that session, like you mentioned on the last show, messaged people with secret messages. Yes. Which is, yes. is very cool. And I like how you phrased it in, your character was told this, you don't know if it's real or not, but you are being instructed to act on it in a certain way, even though it might be faulty information. That is very interesting. Right, yeah. So so this is, this is something I picked up a while ago, basically... Uh, Basically, your your players will will decide how they handle the information that they have received, right? Because because generally speaking, you know, just as a normal person going about your day, you don't necessarily share everything that you know with with everybody uh, mm-hmm. that you're talking to, you know. And it's Speak it's for not yourself, it's... nerd. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> The Chad just yells whatever he's going on in his mind versus like the Virgin, like, uh, uh excuse me, um, I think I might have something to tell you. Well, well, but but more or less what I'm talking about though is that is that like it's not that you're keeping something from other people; it's that you just don't have time to tell them everything that you know you're yeah. either working on or that you're thinking about or whatever. Or it's just not relevant to some to to person Z what person right. C is doing. They're just they don't know each other. There's no reason to be sharing it. That that does remind me of something. Uh, oftentimes people will do this thing where they try to uh, uh, claim that it's in character for their character to have a bunch of weird neuroses and mental disabilities that ultimately amounts to their character. Uh, being extraordinarily genre savvy, so they will say, "Oh no, I just blurt out everything I hear and think, or whatever, and that's just what I do." And you know, it's very obvious that they are trying to share information. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, the and well, and I, I, let you, me say, let me speak to that real quick. Yeah, uh, what, go ahead. Because what Jack did is the way that he phrased it, at least the the nugget of information that he gave to me was phrased in such a way as this is personally relevant to you, but it might be harmful if it came out. Don't go sharing this because A, you don't know if it's true. B, the person who gave it to you, you're not on good terms with. In fact, you know, there's kind of like the sword of Damocles hanging over your head. Right, right. It's the way that he set it up was very much a you don't want to go comparing notes with everybody else, but it still gives an additional seed for role play and a, 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 like a little um, spark, a little motivation for for behavior in a way that just wandering onto a scene would not have otherwise. Yeah, and and I'd also like to to point out that a lot of times since everybody is sitting at the same table, you know, the same kitchen table, the DM tends to blurt things out you know, uh, or, or to like turn to somebody and say, only you can see this when the other like three or four players right are, there. are obviously right there. So obviously, yeah. they're, you know, it, but, but the other thing is by, by doing that, what you're frequently doing is just telling them like, okay, here's the bit of information. And then you wait because you're expecting them to turn to their companion and say, so I saw this thing that he just said. <laughs> well, well, yeah. And, and as a DM, you're also like, you're also kind of planning on them spilling the beans on everything, right? Or mm-hmm. them keeping it a secret, right? So right, but but the thing is, you have to give them a proper motivation to keep things secret beyond just "haha, I'm gonna screw over the rest of the team for no reason." Absolutely. I mean, you know, you you give you give people motivations for certain things, but you know, it's 
it's very much it's very much so uh, well if i trust my friends do i trust my friends can i trust these people you know yeah and that's that's an important element in this genre because while yes we're playing like swashbuckling adventures in star wars it's also edge of empire which means that there's an element of illegality to it mm. and subterfuge that a lot of other star wars stories wouldn't necessarily have so by doing this you're actually helping to develop the uh, the themes and the feel of an Edge of Empires game. Yeah. So I, I approve. Good on you, mate. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. You got you got anything, Mongoose? Uh, not particularly. I, I've given... Um, I did try to make a puzzle, but I'm not going to talk about it on air because I'm... Eh, you know what? Screw it. I'll, I'll talk about it. I had a I had a puzzle planned where I had mailed out in an online game maps to my players, and each map had had a, the same marking but in a different location on the map. And the game was very map focused on the travel and such. And my hope was that they would all kind of figure out, oh well, that's not the same on my map, and that's not the same on your map. But they didn't compare. That not only did they not compare, they they just weren't like they just never picked up on it. Did they not look at the maps, or they didn't really? Oh no, they it? they looked at them, but they just never thought about it. Like they just, it never occurred to them. It never occurred to them that the DM was screwing with them. <laughs> no, we're yeah. like, uh, well, is it even worth that sometimes? But I suppose if you're like just sending the messages, that's a little yeah. bit more on the nose, a little bit well, more obvious. I would say. Could you have made it a little bit more obvious that there was something going on with those maps? Maybe said something along the lines of, like, where did they get the maps? Was it from somewhere mysterious that they should have been clued in that there was a secret hidden there? No, I didn't really bop them on the nose on it because, again, this was one of those groups where if you if you told them anything, they'd just assume it had, like, an infinite amount of uh, significance and then would, would pursue it till the end of time. Uh, you know, I mean, these just sound like terrible players. That was dude. that that really was kind of a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I no. design, I try to design everything I do to be as idiot-proof as possible. Like you know. Well, look, you you got two options here. You can either be obvious of, hey, pay attention to this. This is an element that needs to be interacted with in a specific way, or you can have nothing happen and they don't pursue it and don't pick up on your clue. <laughs> like that's that's the reality of that group, unfortunately. Yeah, that is true. I try to plan things so that so that I I got I got all the bases covered even if they don't actually pick up on any of that. You know, like like if they didn't pick up on on the fact that like there were different spots on the map and the different spots on the map were different on all the other maps, I would have said, well, you know, this thing happened because these spots on the map are different on or you know, like like break it to them at some point, like like with the big reveal that yeah, have them go to a location and it's the wrong one and your map yeah. is untrustworthy. Have you taken a close look at those maps? Yeah, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, just a nudge to let them know that. Yeah. They're... Or have something cataclysmic happen. <laughs> you know, to to, yeah. pun to punish them for not for not looking closer. Sure, but you got to be careful with that because uh, if you do that too much, then they they do start to get that mentality that Mongoose was talking about, where they examine everything endlessly. <sighs> this applies to your first law, Mongoose. Yes. Like, you you gotta make it clear when there's something they need well, to be doing. How do you doing think I developed the first law? 
<laughs> well, okay. Yeah. All right, good. And then I'm glad we've learned from the mistakes of the past. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Uh, I have I have seen a lot of stupid stuff in my time. Remind me what the first law is. First law is the players are always, you you always treat your players like they're the stupidest people you've ever met when they're in character. No, so I thought it was that you treat them as if they lose 20 IQ points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ba- basically, you have to treat a player like they're way dumber than they would be otherwise. Um, and that that's just my general rule of thumb, because I try to design things to be idiot-proof. Because I've found more often than not, if you give people, like, too much time to deliberate over things, they'll they'll tend to, like do stupid things um well i think or not even that like if you give them too much or ask too much of them you'll be disappointed (laughs) really is what i'm trying to say but i wouldn't call the map one that being stupid because when the gm gives you a handout there's a there's a built-in assumption that the handout is the same for everyone because that's kind of the foundation of role-playing games everybody gets the same book everyone gets the same character sheet everyone gets the same map so if yeah Go ahead, Jack. Go interrupt ahead. me. No, 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 no. Please go. <laughs> I would, I would actually say everybody should assume that uh, whatever the DM is telling you, it's kind of like handouts in real life. You know, like you know, uh, trust but verify. I mean, when you go to a meeting and they hand out a handout from a from a stack, you assume that everyone's getting the same handout. True. It's kind of like it's I, like one of those shortcut things where you don't have time to verify every single thing. You need some kind of clue or oddity to make your to snap your brain out of assumption uh, mode, normalcy bias mode, and into investigate mode. Yeah. And if that clue's not there, that that switch is not happening. I agree. I agree. Because I probably you know what if I was handed a map and I saw that a map that looked similar being handed out to everyone else, I'd be like, okay, we've all got the map, good. And I wouldn't stop and investigate unless something weird happened that snapped me out of the assumption mode into, whoa. Or like I said, if the map came from a mysterious or untrustworthy source, then I might be like, mm, let's take a look at this closer. But if you just hand me a map, I'm just gonna be like, okay, cool, we all got the same map. Mm. See, I had wanted to do the bit where, what if we just, what what if it, we assume everything's the same, but what if it wasn't? And and yeah, I got I got too clever for I've gotten too clever for my own good in certain cases. Well, you got to take human psychology into effect. And like I said, one of That's those things. That's Mongoose's first law. <laughs> well, okay, you got too many first laws, buddy. You got to stop it. <laughs> no, Sir Mongoose's first law is to build to mitigate those effects, where you you kind of assume that people aren't going to do what you want them to do. So rather than uh, attempting to go like 500 levels of like Freudian psychoanalysis deep and trying to like figure out like every single little psychological quirk of everyone you're working with you just assume well it's easier if I just treat them collectively like they're idiots and then that will get me more efficiently to where I want to be that is such a bad and harmful attitude you should be thinking this is the way human psychology works let me build a, a hook a plot hook or a, you know a clue that appeals to human psychology because that's how like things like video gamers work when they're designing levels for video games they'll do things like have accent lighting that catches your eye and draws you toward the next area you're supposed to go to or they'll have enemies in a specific location which once you've cleared them out you know if you're running around in an area without enemies you know you've already been there so the place with the enemies yeah that's the direction you should be heading and that's because that's the way human psychology works we look for problems to conquer and in that case the 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 presence of enemies 
is the problem. Or we look for things that stand out. And in that case, the lighting is the thing that stands out. That's not video gamers treat like video game designers treating gamers as if they're retarded. That's literally just understanding human psychology and building towards that. Okay. Well, and I think that's a lot that's a lot healthier relationship f- towards your players than you guys are idiots, so I'm going to make this stupid for you. <laughs> I mean, recently uh, I, had, I had an interaction with players where it's like, "Oh, hey, the the local snake girl wants to buy a gym and you know what their their the uh half the party's first instinct was oh i bet she's going to try to ambush us and kill us yeah but again your players have i know you don't think they do but they have the D mindset dude no i i know i know the, these people do and i'm just looking at it like <sighs> what but okay but mongoose what if it was a sexy ambush but what if I didn't want to do an ERP? I I didn't know. Like, suggestive, not erotic, you asshole. <laughs> yes, I, I, I know. I know. And I, and I just, no, I'm not doing that. You've seen that picture, though, with the uh, the Lamia with the, like, fake clothes on the tail. And the I'm tail the one sticking who shared up from that behind. with you. I know you are. So that's what I'm thinking of. You <laughs> yes, could have done that's that. A, that's a good ambush. <laughs> I just, I'm not sure exactly. my players would, would uh, fall for that. Well, that's the point. Make it so, like, goofy and ridiculous that nobody falls for it. And then she's just like, oh, well, can we talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> New side quest. Get the Lamia Husbando. Uh, if you want to. That, um, anyway. Actually, no, no I think, I think I'm going to write that one down. I think they're going <laughs> through a desert. Uh, I think that's a... Uh... Wait, is she a Sidewinder Lamia? Well, we, we already did one Lamia, so we can have another one later. Okay, sure. Why not? We've already done the sheep girl bit. We're gonna do. Oh, very later. good. Yeah, very the, good. The one one of the players, uh, his girlfriend plays with us, and she just she just kind of like blankly looked at us to uh, last session. She's like, "Well, I don't understand. Um, what makes a sheep's girl wool better than a regular sheep's? <laughs> Why is this any different? What what's the point?" And we're all just kind of looking at her like. Okay, no. no uh, it's not how any of this works. Bitch, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you you ever seen that moment of the dude who's like, bruh. And he's like, bruh. She's like yeah. bruh, what are you doing? <laughs> this is why women in gaming, not even once. Mm. Post, posting cringe all day, every day. Yeah, that, I was. we were just like, uh, girlfriend, you posted cringe. You're gonna you're gonna lose favor with the game master. Back to the kitchen, yeah. woman. Oh yeah, I, I I haven't told you guys about my favorite meta midi game. When I'm playing it, when I'm playing IRL with people, I like to sometimes play topical music as as things come up. Yeah, my you favorite told us about that. Meta mini game is actually to ask people the name of the song or who composed it. Yeah, you told it us or... about that last week. I did. Yes, oh. and it was it was ridiculous then as it is now. I love it. What's the name of this? I don't, I don't think obs- it's that ridiculous. It is. It, what's the name of this obscure classical music? Oh, you don't know? <laughs> well, I mean, as it's long not... as it's not Bach. Bach is basically like the jazz of classical music. It's not. It's not obscure. Oh, uh, for, it, all this to stuff normies, is used all to the time. To normies, it's going to be obscure, dude. Uh, dude, the entry of the gods of to Valhalla was used in one of the Alien movies. People know about that stuff. It's they not don't know obscure. the name of it, though. Also, my friends aren't normies, so like that doesn't even apply. <laughs> we sit no, around in a living normies. room with anime posters and waifu figurines playing a game. Like, 
That's the opposite of classical music. Uh, what? I no, I think. I what think are you talking about? I think made anime girls have more in common with classical music than a lot of things. Yeah, it's it's trap. I think one is distinctly modern and the other is distinctly <laughs> antique. That is I think, incorrect. I think one of them harkens <laughs> okay. to uh, antiquity, and the other one, as does the other one, like like Wagner and the maid waifu. They're they're on a similar level in a sense, and that they both uh, they both sort of harken back to a to a. Okay, then then why don't you explain to me why your theory falls apart as soon as rubber hits the road and your players don't know any of the names of these classical songs? Because my theory is predictive, yours is not. Because my players do actually know the names of many of the songs. You said that they, you said last week that they didn't. They didn't, but they've stepped okay. up their game. But I am teaching should. them, John. This is a this is a <laughs> learning exercise. They've stepped up their classical music game, but not the role playing one. Okay, well, well, that, good. We're, we're, good we're working session, on guys. that. We're working on that. Okay, all right. I've got a I've got one player. He's he's doing a lot better with stuff. I will say that with uh, Ryutama, they're required to write in a journal. You know, mm-hmm. and that has been going really well. They've been really uh, on top of that. Oh, good. Okay. I yeah. was wondering about that. I I was wondering if they were going to embrace that, because that, to me, so- seems like one of the things that would be, like, the first to get to people to go lax on. Uh, well, I gave the journal... Well, first of all, I bought a physical journal, which helps, Um, because then yeah. people feel like, oh, he put effort into it. I feel obligated a little bit. The other <laughs> thing I did was that I put the journal in the hands of the person I knew who would have the most conscientiousness and was, like, part of the 50% of the party that wasn't dyslexic. And I say that literally, as in Good half of Lord. my players have dyslexia. <laughs> what are you like, Lys- king Lysdexia. of the dyslexic? Are you, are you, I, I the, am, are you the king of, the, of dyslexia? I, I'm, I'm the king of the of the mentally deranged. No, you can't say you can't say king because that's it'd be the, like. All right, nink. I'm the furor of the, the mentally chink. deranged. No, the that? nink, the nink, dude. You're not getting the joke. Nink. Oh, oh. There oh. you go. Mm. All right. What I about to, a I had to make it obvious for you to pick up on what it. What if I'm the Knig of the uh, mentally deranged? Right. There you go. The the Knig of the dyslexics. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a show title. <laughs> the Knig of the dyslexics. All right. Sure. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> right. John, write that down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, no, 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 no. You do it. I I'm the audio guy. You do the notes. <laughs> I was I was trying to think of somebody with the with the name with the name that begins with J, but Jack, write that down. <laughs> Jack. Jack well, Gee, I couldn't say my own. Name I could, starts with J. I wonder. I couldn't say my own name. I had to say That's somebody true. else. That would be weird if you did. <laughs> so, uh, and Mongoose, so you wanted to talk about resource management. So we were kind of getting towards Ryotama anyway, but. Uh... What, yeah, what are you yeah, gonna say yeah. About re- I was well. I was I was talking about um, so the I gave we we were talking about the journal and I'd given it to the one half of the party that was not dyslexic. Um, the other thing that's uh, interesting about Ryutama, other than the journal, is that you uh you see a, the game is actually very intensive on resource management in a way that's very obvious. You'll have games like Dungeons and Dragons. If you actually do them, rules is written. You have to eat like three times a day. You have to do this so many f and so many hours. Um, but it's not very obvious, right? It's kind of like the I would like to 
compare it to the difference between Christianity and Islam. Like, Christianity properly practiced, uh, if you do it, like, in the traditional way, there's a lot, a lot of things you got to do, little rituals, things of that nature. But they're not very obvious on the surface, whereas Islam is very obvious about the rituals you do with the praying five times a day and the Hajj or whatever. But uh, that's really all the ritual there is, like, uh, for most people in Islam. So, like, it's very obvious on the surface level, whereas Christianity it isn't. D&D is, like, all the complexity well, and resource I, I management. Well, I would say that that's pr proper Christianity uh, citation needed. Uh, I mean, like, liturgical Lutheranism. Yeah, that's that's your idea of proper. Okay. Yeah. As in, like... You think I'm just gonna let you drop that bomb and be like, Yeah, that's the podcast stance, everybody! I mean, yeah, this is a, no. this is a Lutheran podcast. No, this is not a Lutheran. This is I, a one-third Lutheran. This is, this, is, this, is, this is mine. This is Lutheranism right here. No, you don't get to... to this, is a, this is a Lutheran no. server, okay? No, this is not a... This is a Lutheran... This is Monster Girl Lutheran Celt posting hour, okay? No, this is Big, yes. tent, big tent Christianity, which has enough room for Monster Girls in the tent. Big Tent Christianity, but the tent is the wings of a dragon girl. Ooh, there you go. I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a wholesome a Lutheran, post right so there. So we're all Lutherans. She's not a Lutheran! Absolutely she's Lutheran. not. No. You can't just force the Monster Girls to convert to Lutheranism. Monster Girls are Lutheran. I don't know no, what you're saying. absolutely I, how, how many How many other official members of official, actually, official sects of Christianity have embraced uh, Monster Girlism? No, actually, well, no. I mean, if, first of all, I would actually think that'd be a cool world-building activity to go through the Monster Girls and like determine which. You guys uh, want to do that right Christi now? Which type of Christianity they'd be what more likely to ascribe to? What kind of Christianity <laughs> are the uh, Hellhound Wahhabist Islam? <laughs> That's not Christianity. What are you talking I know. about? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go through it. Let's go through this for a little bit. Let's a Monster Girl Encyclopedia. I think uh, centaurs would probably be orthodox. Mm. They've got that. They've got that. Uh, no, I think they'd be Catholic. What? They got that Mongolian culture. So like culture. Polish hussars. Uh, I t I tend to think of them more as like Mongolian steppe peoples, though, which. Is uh, like... so are, well, the Poles are Mongolian steppe peoples. What? No, they're not. I mean, they're Slavs. All Slavs are Mongolian steppe peoples, allegedly. Okay, well, the Slavs are. No, I really don't think so. I, I still, right, so, I still think so. First, so first attempt, we've hit a uh, we've hit a stumbling block. So maybe this isn't such a good. Well, maybe content. the maybe I think the centaurs are are probably Catholic because they're like old style knights, right? And uh, Russians were too poor to afford horses, so this would be like French and Polish. Some of them are knights, but some of them are more like Mongol uh, horse archers. So mm. I think we can split them between that dichotomy. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, All right. Lamias obviously Pentecostal. I I think Lamias would be Orthodox or no Lamias would be Coptic. No, dude, they'd be what? the snake handling Why? snake handling Pentecostals. Uh, I I think Coptic works because it's it's the Egyptian branch and there's a desert. Maybe I mean, that's no, that'd the be Anubis. the Sphinx. That'd be the yeah, Sphinx. Yeah, Anubis girls. and the Sphinx. Yeah. Yeah, Anubis and the, and the Sandworm. Sphinx, Yes, yes, yep. Sandworms, okay, so, so yeah, yeah, okay. The Lamia is Pentecostal. Well, I mean, like, the Sidewinder Lamia might be, uh, might be Coptic. We, we can split them up, too. That's fine. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Pentecostal. Um, which one would be, like, the, the crazy Baptists, like, dancing and singing in the, in the aisles? I'm thinking Hellhound. Yeah, Hellhound, obviously. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
Holstar is Episcopalian. Traditional, uh, no, Holstar, Holstar is Anglican. Yeah, I was going to say Anglican. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Anglican. Uh, what would the harpy be? Oh. Uh, That's kind of a... I could um, see them being Catholic and, like, doing the cherubim thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Harpies, though? I don't know. What do you think? Mm, <laughs> asking um, asking Jack anything about Monster Girls dot MP three. <laughs> okay, what, what about the uh, stop what about the what about the yeah. Manticore? What what sect of Christianity is is she? Uh, Cobbled together from all different kinds, Gnostic. And the Manticore. Yeah, Gnostic, Gnostic. Yeah, the I was Manticore say, is the Gnostic. Yeah, she'd be a Gnostic. I think so. Absolutely. Uh, and like super Gnostic or like one of those mystery cults. Would be the uh, Shogoth girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Kikimura is just like generic American, like high. I think she'd be like, Orthodox. No, she's Russian. No, she's uh, Russian. Yeah, she's yeah, that Orthodox. is that is fair. That's true. Yeah, Kikimura is Orthodox. Yeah. The oak. The uh. The um. Jaguar girls are um definitely Catholic. Hundred percent. Yeah, they're they're like the Mexican Catholic. Hundred percent. <laughs> With with like Saint Morta and shit. Um, what about the mermaids? Mermaids. Uh, they are Presbyterians. Oh no, Baptists! Because no, they they do the baptism in the ocean. Uh, well, the mermaids are like that's Celt lore right there. And if you're looking at Celts, you either choose between Catholics, Anglicans, or Presbyterians. So, I don't think the 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 modern day interpretation of the mermaid is is celtic i think that that has moved the sulky okay the sulky is definitely presbyterian okay sure you can have the sulky because she's a garbage girl that's fine sulky's presbyterian <laughs> okay but i think the like the overarching mermaid i i like the idea of them being the like ocean baptizing baptists you know like okay. the ones who do like a baptism once a year kind of thing oh yeah those people um yeah yeah the uh what is it um sheep girls are anglican yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Are Welsh Anglican? Yes, they're they're part of the Anglican Church. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think they had some like special weird Church of well, Wales where like the Bible's written in Welsh and you can't read it? <laughs> I actually well, do I have know, a maybe. Bible written in Welsh. I know you do. Yeah. One, but it's a King James Bible. And it's oh, Anglican. Okay. It's it's used in Anglican church services. So <laughs> I just okay, right. I just didn't think that the Welsh really liked the English too much. But anyway, well, they they've been matter. part of they've been legally English for a thousand near a thousand years at this point. Okay, I got I got the ultimate. Trick oh, Flo Kelp is also uh, Anglican as well. Sure, sure. I got the ultimate question though. Succubus. Non-denominational. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> she shifts her church based on who she's talking to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's the girl who's like, oh, I'm I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like the college campus Christianity. College campus church. Yep. They're all hellhound. Or not uh sorry, succubus. <laughs> yeah, or hellhounds. Succub- you you get you get some like college campus churches that are really, really hardcore crazy Baptist. Sure, sure. Uh Fox Girl. Ooh, um, that would be like the the Japanese Christians. I think I feel like Japanese they'd be... Christians. Yes, there is. There are like actually uh, Japanese Christian. Oh, uh... uh, that that no, they'd be like the Koreans. They've got their own. Oh, like, there you Korean go. Yeah. Churches. Yeah. Well, that's technically the Kumaho, but that's basically the same thing as a Kitsune. Yeah. What about a? Uh... What about the uh, what about the Tiger Girl? What is she? 
which one's the laziest? <laughs> uh, but that's like our generic cat girl. I know. Yeah, that's true. I Methodists because they don't really have no. I feel like, like they would. I feel like they'd be... <laughs> they just kind of do whatever. Yeah, I feel like they'd be spread out between denominations. I don't think they'd have. Yeah. What about dog stuff? girls? Um, I think they would probably be Lutheran, actually. Yeah, that that makes sense. Dog girls are Lutheran. Dog girls are Lutheran. Um. All right. I think that's enough for this segment. <laughs> yeah, this has been a good segment. This is a yeah. great segment. Uh, this has been world like building this... with Monster Girls and Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> Monster Girl Christianity world building. Yes. So, uh, resource management. Anyone, who, yeah, anyone who knows about Monster Girls knows that the most powerful resource is spirit energy, and that's a resource <laughs> that needs to be managed. And just not like what this resources. podcast is about. <laughs> and. Uh, there are many games where resource management is important, like the aforementioned uh, Ryutama. Um, and in Ryutama, there's there's very blatant resource management, as we talked about earlier. And put down what put down whatever you're jingling. Okay. Uh, anyway, so the. Uh, the I can't thing... believe I still have to tell you this. <laughs> It'll never end, John. Just throw it. Just <laughs> You'll throw be on your deathbed, and I will be. Jingling keys outside the window. <laughs> yep, and and you're gonna be like, you know exactly what you're doing. You, he'll, you, he's gonna be like, what? I don't. I don't. I'll be like, what you're talking about. I'll be like visiting your. I'll be like there at your funeral, like doing the viewing, and you'll be like still jingling keys in your dead fingers. Yep, <laughs> as a flex, <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> okay, resource management. Let's actually talk about it. So no, uh. Ryutama forces a lot of resource management on behalf of the players. And this can be somewhat annoying, but it can also be somewhat uh somewhat interesting to say the least in that you can you end up seeing a lot of uh very interesting strategies for it. Um but the one of the problems I've always had with resource management themed games is uh the amount of resources the players have versus like the relative needs they have tends to be sinusoidal where the mean is somewhere between uh the peaks so you'll you'll give them and then they'll splurge and then they'll go down and it's not really necessarily an issue of the players are necessarily bad at handling resources or even that uh the resources themselves are uh there there's too much i just i wish i wish there was like a way to like uh differentially um sort of continuously feed resources to the players at the rate that they needed but there's not really a good way to gauge that because players are very difficult at like getting out like what they um what exactly their needs are in terms of that they don't they aren't often like very vocal about it or they're too vocal in which case you, you just don't want to give them anything because then they all they do is just complain about whatever hmm. um I what is does Ryotama do anything to facilitate easier uh like checking or management of resources through the quartermaster role because I know the party has the quartermaster role so is there some like list that you can take a look at to kind of gauge how the party is doing and like how much re- re- like rewards you should be meeting out to them Uh the game gives um uh the the sort of 
The quartermaster. I said, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, the quartermaster. The quartermaster <laughs> sheet is useful for tracking. Do they have enough water and food? But once you get past that, it kind of starts to, you know. No, I don't know. That's why I asked. Yeah, why I mean, can't you? What? So, like, does it not keep track of the money on there, or like, uh? No, they don't keep travel track. Animals. Oh, players, especially my players, do not do communal money ever. ever. Well, no, I mean, I wouldn't expect them to. But uh, there should be an easy way of, like, tracking the funds. Like, you could even just put each player's name and then how much money they've got underneath that on one separate page of the Quartermasters. Like, a, almost like a accountant. So that you can just glance at that and see how they're doing on funds. Yeah. Yeah. That that might be useful. Because I noticed that was one thing you didn't do in, your, uh, in the game that you did for our group, the uh, Savage Worlds one. I don't think you never once asked how much money we had. You just gave nope. us money... And... No, I, I just always have sort of assumed very libertarian that the players are just going to use the money for whatever and we'll be fine. Well, the other thing I'll say is that if the encounters are not getting more difficult, there's no reason to buy better gear because what you got right now is already doing enough. Well, the thing about Ryutama is that you don't really buy better gear. Yeah, uh, You sort yeah. of... um. Actually, that's not true. The the heavier armor and the the better weapons were more like a lot more expensive. Actually, you had to save up for those. You can enchant. You can buy enchanted gear. That that is fair. Um, but you yeah. can't really um. You can't really better, buy like better, a better incrementally sword. Incrementally better swords. Like swords are all kind of the same. Yeah, but they had like uh, superior uh, materials that you could buy the the gear in. Yeah, that is true. The issue there is uh, you kind of have to meet out and figure out well okay am i am i providing a realistic challenge with things how much of a challenge is good uh should they necessarily be challenged and these these issues all kind of come up and it's very difficult to balance them all and it's something that you really have to think about a lot and it ryutama really just sort of pushed this to the forefront of my uh, game analysis is now i'm starting to think very heavily less in terms of like world building and story because the story is kind of simplistic that i'm giving them and, and sort of meeting out to them but rather i'm asking questions about like how do i give them this or that or the other what i would recommend is try to when you're planning like a, a trip or a journey or something and you're thinking about what they might run into think about like try try to uh do almost like a trial scenario in your head or, or on paper or something and try to calculate how much this trip is going to cost them to purchase the things that they're going to need to get through it. The specific clothes that'll help them with their journey, you know, the, the NPCs they might have to pay off or scouts, you know, the, the different pack animals, just all of the, the food for the trip, all of that stuff. Calculate what the expenses might be and then plan the rewards for something like, I don't know, maybe 150% of the expenses. That yeah, way, if they, yeah. if they do it well, if they do a good job, they're still making a profit, but then that's not like like suddenly they can retire because then the next trip, you know, the next go around, they might have to reinvest 100% of that, maybe even 125% if the next trip is more difficult. That way you can ramp up the difficulty of the expeditions that are going on, but you still keep paying them more, which then prepares them for, you know, future trips. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, resource bleed. One thing I do like about Ryutama is there's a constant need to spend money on things. Oh, that's good. Which, like, uh, like meals and uh, places to stay, which a lot of other games don't do really well. Yeah. 
So that actually means that the players are not ever going to have a static pool of like just tons of money sitting around because players do tend to hoard money. Well, what I thought was interesting and, and it was a very different game, but in our uh, Savage Worlds game, my character saved up a lot of the money because that like for a story reasons, like in character motivations, not because of just like, I mean, because it was a job and the point of the job is to make money put aside enough of that money to be able to retire afterwards. Naturally. So that's not that's not always a bad thing if your players are making too much money, unless the story that you want to tell is about them not having enough money. Well, the, the issue therein is most players just hoard money for the sake of hoarding money, not because they have any real justification or thought behind it. That's the issue. Eh, I, I mean, like I said, unless the story you're trying to tell is one of scarcity... It's not the end of the world if they have more money than they need. Yes. I also enjoy their uh, the tendency of players to just as do uh, things like, ah, well, um, we could get the we could get a loyal cow to carry all of our things, or we could just buy the regular cow, and if it just leaves, it leaves with all our food and water. But that's okay because it's a thousand gold cheaper. Hmm. Yeah. I'm. Uh, they they make they make weird decisions to try to save as much money as possible. <laughs> well, it's it's risk risk versus reward management is the game they're playing. Yeah, and apparently the risk, or in this case the investment for the more expensive cow. I guess I guess you call that reward, but it's like it's like negative. So r risk versus cost, I guess is how you'd say it. So it's a cost benefit analysis, and their sure. cost benefit analysis is way different than mine. Well, are you like? Are you doing the numbers? Are you doing the numbers here, Mongoose? Oh no! Um, yeah, they they have more. They had more than enough money for that at that point, and they knew they'd have more. No, my in. point is that if was the items that that cow was carrying worth equal to or more than the extra cost <laughs> for the loyalty? Uh, yes. Why are you laughing? This is a valid question. Well, water in Ryutama is free, but if you don't have water, you can die very easily. So presumably, yes. <laughs> The cow was carrying three quarters of their water and a, was going to start carrying a bulk of their food. Sure, but those things are very cheap compared to a thousand gold. Yes, but if the cow goes missing... <laughs> then presumably they've got enough skills to be able to forage until they can get to another town and just buy another cow for just as cheap. Yeah, yeah. Well, so... So so I may be I may be a a bougie city folk guy but aren't cows expensive? Yeah, cow In in Rio cows, cows are actually very expensive like 2000 gold. Yeah, cows yeah. are expensive especially if they're full grown. Um but usually people buy them because they want the meat not because they want to, <laughs> them to carry stuff around. <laughs> yeah, well, my animal, players yeah. are like one of my players is like, "Well, I want a cow and that's the animal we're going to use a pack animal." I'm like uh, Okay. Just... I mean, maybe if it's a bull, but no, that's... no, it's a, it's a cow. They want it's a, a cow. cow, and then they're like, "Well, we'll use the milk." I'm like, "That's not in the rules." The cow's not, not gonna make milk if it's the cow's not gonna make milk if it's carrying a heavy pack and walking a long distance. Like, cows are just like magic milk factories. Mm. It's got to have an excess of anyway. You should forget it. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. Okay, well, I know all about metabolisms, and I know all about like the weird assertions and weird ways players will try to find solutions to problems that don't exist. That's that's another favorite of mine. <laughs> well, it's the problem sounds to me to be they are not applying the multiple inputs 
for the logic. They're running with one input and assuming that it's always true for all cases. Because cows produce milk. Okay, so a cow will well, always no, see, produce the, milk. This the player I will I will fight uh, will be like, well, I grew up on a farm, and that's not the way that works, and that's not the person you're thinking of, John. Different person, and they'll be like, well, but no, but no, we can use some milk, and it's be like, see, I'm the I'm the sort of litigious bastard who's more like more than happy to let them do that, and just be like, okay, now you got to roll a toughness check because it wasn't pasteurized. <laughs> 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 well, presumably back then they're used to unpasteurized, non-pasteurized milk. Yeah, but they see the the difference is these things generally tend to go one way. Where if I bring up something like that, most people don't know to say that. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. I mean, really, it really just boils down to like. It sounds like you're helping to inspire this combative GM stance where they're not trusting you because you're then trying to turn around and like fuck them over with stuff that. Doesn't no, make I, sense. I tend to I tend to be very sardonic, but they they know I'm not trying to kill them. Well, m- okay. most of them, no. Yeah. Okay. The the two that would be a real problem if they thought I was trying to kill them, uh, no, definitely that I'm not trying to kill them. Okay. Well, we still shouldn't make this very hyper specific about your group. So yeah, yeah. If we're talking resource management in general, I think that one, having a way to easily check what your player's resources are and just checking in is a good way of seeing how how far that they are compared to where you think they should be. Because uh, I've played a lot of uh, Shadowrun and in Shadowrun money is a big deal, almost as much as if not more so than the experience points or in, the, in Shadowrun it's called Karma, but it's XP. But the money is almost uh, as important, if, if not more so, in terms of character advancement than the uh, actual XP is. So there's a level of, like, you know how many sessions you've done. You got to have enough familiarity with the system to know about how far you want them to be with material gains. And then once you have that in mind, you can then take a look at where they are and see if they're either behind or ahead. And that includes their stores because they might just be saving it like you said now if they're saving up money if they have a bunch of money that or resources that they've saved up and they're not using that is your signal to make the game harder because they are at the a plateau where they feel comfortable they don't feel challenged they don't feel the need to be spending money on more powerful items or ammunition or whatever so that's they're at that level where you can up the challenge and then they will up their game and start spending those resources because they have to in order to survive. Yeah, I've started giving them... Uh, they started getting enough money to the point where they're now buying contextually specific and useful equipment to wherever mm-hmm. they think they're going to be heading into next. Like, they know they're going to a desert, so now they're buying sand hoods, for example. Well, good. That, that means that they're engaging with the system's mechanics in a resource-managing way. That's good. Yeah, the thing I like about Ryutama is it's very much like a traditional JRPG in that you buy... Con- uh, there's a lot of, like... Uh, especially in the old Dragon Quest games, you'd go to a village, you'd buy, uh, you'd buy new equipment to face the next area. Okay, well, I'm trying to make this generally applicable, not just for Ryutama. I know, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, this, this is, you know, they're now buying contextually specific equipment and things that help. Uh, now that they've gotten enough money. Yeah, that's good. But I would check in on their money and see if they've got a bunch left over or if they're running low. And then you can adjust your next reward accordingly and try to keep them at that level where they're engaged with the economy. They're not withdrawing from it and acting like hobos because they're afraid of running out of money. And they're not, but they're not also then stashing up a bunch of money. If they start doing that, then you 
you start to you slightly lower the rewards and you increase the difficulty to get them spending again. Mm-hmm. You know, at least for me, anyway, all all this talk about uh, money and everything, I've never really considered money to be like like even with even with games with money, I've never really like enjoyed keeping it as like a as like a, a resource to be managed. I've always preferred to have some sort of uh, uh, item to barter or something like that. Uh, Dude, I would. I am totally on board if you want to run a Metro 2033 game that has ammunition as the currency. <laughs> I am so there. Was, well, well, so I'm, I'm actually thinking more along the lines of, uh, I, I, years and years ago, I ran a forgotten realms campaign and, uh, as the Thayan wizard, I had access to a ton of magic items. So I would actually, instead of, you know, selling it, just for gold i would actually barter magic items and and control the group's magic item store and all this other stuff so like so like if we needed if we needed to get from point a to point b i would actually just barter a magic item for a portal to that area it was a pretty cool uh pretty cool game but yeah no i yeah i don't i don't know if that works out for much outside of very specific circumstances and especially like high magic uh, i think i i think it i think it works uh even even for like even for sci-fi games and stuff because i mean you still have i I, all all i'm saying is that you know i i actually prefer uh things other than money to be to be the thing that is uh is uh is hard to get a hold of you know what i mean well why though why why? What's your logic? Yeah, what's your logic there? Why do you prefer that? Because money's boring. <laughs> okay, well, counter argument: money gives players agency, because money yeah. means that they can they can specifically buy the thing that they want their character to have. They can look at the I like thinking of Edge of em- Edge of the Empire, right? I'm, I've, I've looked it over the gear. Uh, you know, the each piece of uh each piece of weaponry has a specific cost and rarity attached to it, just like Shadowrun does. And if I see an item, I'm like, yes, this is what I envision my, this is the weapon I see in my head, my character holding and using. And then we go to a mission and instead of being paid 2000 credits that I can go buy that, that gun, you give me a different gun that's worth the same amount of money. And I'm just like, okay, now I have to find someone to sell this so I can go buy the gun that I want my guy to have. Well, I mean, I I get that. Don't don't get me wrong. I get that, and I, and it's not like I've never used money as as a resource like that. Like obviously yes, but something like uh, for example, something like uh, like Dark Heresy, right? Where they have or Rogue Traders, more specifically, is a better example. Where all where you don't actually have money, you have a profit rating, and it's kind of like any of your other stats. Where in order to acquire an item, you have to roll under your profit rating. Right. Sure, and there's a lot of indie games or or of games nowadays that are starting to do different abstractions instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, one thousand, two thousand, three thousand credits. Uh, Blades in the Dark has coin, and you have one coin, and you spend one coin to pursue one hobby or one project by a slice. Um, different powered by the apocalypse games have uh wealth. Uh, I think it's like plus wealth or something. Um. Things like uh, Fate uh, really doesn't handle money at all. Uh, Fate has a... Some versions of Fate have a wealth skill 
and you roll a skill check when you try to buy something and the difficulty is based on how expensive it is and you're rolling up against your wealth, which is just like a relative measure of how much spare assets you have. Hmm. So there's definitely different ways of doing it, but each of those ways produces a very different feel in game. Jack, and have something... you considered if you think money is boring trying to do currency exchanges? I mean, I've I've done a little bit of that. You you kind of have to keep that limited so that it doesn't go completely like often you you completely overcomplicate everything to an unreasonable degree. But you can you can definitely toy around with it a little bit and maybe even have the currency exchange shift uh, if something goes wrong in the campaign. Uh, and that, that can that be just be adding a second layer of money that he doesn't want to deal with? Well, but that's at least at least if you think money's boring, there's you can at least design around it in that <laughs> way, you know. Hey Jack, do you not like dealing with money? Well now there's three types of money. <laughs> Oh, I, I, we don't accept Republic credits here. Yeah, okay, well, so my character goes to the bank account and exchanges it for the type he does accept. <laughs> Can we get a move on? <laughs> or or go to somebody who does accept republic credits and barter it's like well yeah, anyway you can and you can even use that as a as a part of um the uh the story in that like okay suppose something cataclysmic uh happens one way of expressing that is oh the exchange rate happens or you you can't exchange currency as easily right and that can that can help sort of impact the players as long as it normalizes again and things are sort of yeah but the problem is that that works great for a game like a spice and wolf game that's about currency and the manipulations thereof and the exchanges and the trade what jack is saying is he doesn't seem to like running games that are focused on currency in the first place well and and that's not that's not necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that uh that i wouldn't that it doesn't like today junior <laughs> if you well right if so so if i could find a good reason to to you know use currency in a way that's you know that's that's more interesting towards the story i would use it but but more more or less currency for me at least is like a MacGuffin. you know in order to get in order to get your blaster you have to you know acquire <laughs> Five thousand gold or something. Are you literally just like discovering the point of money? Yeah, because <laughs> that I, is literally I, the point of money is that you can change it for goods that you want. <laughs> That's why it exists. This this week on the Red Pilled Ancap podcast, <laughs> we discover <laughs> money. <laughs> Jack discovers money. Next week on the Red Pilled Ancap podcast, why governments are needed to build roads. Guys, I just don't get this dollar thing. It's like you could trade it for anything. What the heck? Why? That's like cheating. I don't get it. It's too convenient. Uh, I would also That's, like to remind everyone like that if you are running a medieval fantasy uh, setting, it's completely valid to use uh, thalers or thalers, as they're called. That's the uh, root word for dollars. They were a largely universally accepted form of currency from the Middle Ages. Okay. So uh, keep that in mind if you're out there world building for your medieval fantasy setting and you don't want people to say uh, dollars all the time. You can give them a very similar word, and it actually works, speaking from personal experience. So Jack, how are you going to run Edge of Empire, which 
without has any money. Heavy, I'm not. I'm yeah, not gonna. Has, I'm not saying that there won't be any money, wait, dude. I, I, well, I have a there real. I have money. a real question. Since we're there talking be a lot about, about we're, we're talking a lot about libertarian issues like currency exchanges, yes. and there's a and roads. There's a there's another big the important the issue. Space roads and like space and roads. we're talking about freedom, and that's that's consent. Like I don't consent. You you yell at the police as he tases no, you. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't he's done. Tried, I liked the teaser. To segue. He's tried no, to segue. I liked the teaser, but I'm not done. I had a serious question. Jack, Edge of Empire is very heavily based around credits. Everything is measured in credits. I know. I know. How are you going to run I am, this? I am planning for this. Do not worry. You're going to. The, worry. the universal currency is going to be like. See, in any barter system. All that ends up happening is that there's one thing that most everybody wants, therefore yeah. everybody wants and it, it becomes, becomes the, the currency. New currency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like, like Minoc eggs or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like eggs or oh, we're gonna trade astromech droids or something. And, and Jack will be like, Jack will just end up or rings of Jordan. Yeah, I don't know. Any any anyone from anyone from the D, Diablo two era will get that. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Or you know. Keys no, we've got enough examples. Team We're moving on. What, whatever. Yeah, you get the everybody gets the idea. But no, like you can't ex- you can't escape currency because currency's useful because if 80% of people will take it, the other 20% likely will as well. And so like, Okay, we know we know why currency is useful. I don't <laughs> well, This is the Red Pill <laughs> and Cap podcast, so we got to do uh, Red Pill right, and Cap yeah. stuff. This is like pro the basics of capitalism propaganda we're doing here. We're just trying to convince people. All all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that currency is fake and gay. That's all no. I'm saying. And I'm saying you're going to need to get a different system if you want to run it that way cuz Edge of Empire, you need currency. <laughs> Currency isn't real, guys. You should just get rid of the government. Whoa. Whoa, I'm trying to talk about roleplay. I'm not trying to do propaganda here. (laughs) All right. Well, whatever. (laughs) So, um, no, speaking. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, I guess, uh, I guess John really just doesn't consent to this, uh, currency. No, you're jumping ahead. I don't think he does consent. I don't consent because you're jumping ahead. Next is Shadowrun. Uh, so Shadowrun Six <laughs> just came out. Look at the show notes. I am resource uh, management. Shadowrun Six. Shadowrun Six. Okay. Yeah, I don't consent to jumping over my bit. <laughs> as you guys know, as I've mentioned multiple times on here, uh, Shadowrun was the very first role-playing game I played. The first official one. It's the one that I have spent the most time playing overall of any game system. Uh, I came in on Shadowrun Four, which was. Overall, a very good system. Even looking back on it now, I still highly recommend the 20th anniversary Shadowrun 4 revision, which like fixed a bunch of the editing errors. Very good stuff. Highly recommend it. Uh, then Shadowrun 5 came out, and I played that uh, a couple times. Not a huge fan, but it was still playable. They did some stuff which I didn't really appreciate, uh, where... And for those of you who don't know, Shadowrun is a cyberpunk game, cyberpunk genre, set in 2070, although that year uh, has been increasing slowly as the editions come out. And uh, it is a world where technology has increased significantly to where there is full virtual reality submersion internet, uh, as well as prosthetics and uh, hover cars and like other advanced technology. Uh, but there also magic came back. Uh, in, I think, 2012, Magic came back. Uh, you know, the whole Mayan calendar or whatever thing. Right. So, yeah. M- Magic came back, and it also warped the human race and split humanity into the traditional fantasy races. 
So there's humans, dwarves, elves, orcs, trolls, and then a bunch of weirdos, which is, you know, like the the, the less uh, common fantasy races, uh, gnomes and satyrs and whatnot. <clears throat> so um, Shadowrun 5 came out. It had some issues. Uh, they changed the, a lot of the gear around so that instead of giving you bonuses to the actions you were trying to do, it just raised the limit on how many successes you could count on any one action because they introduced the idea of limits. So in the past, in Shadowrun 4, there was no limit. And, uh, and because they had an edge mechanic, which is like a luck or a uh, Benny or fate point, it was one of those type of mechanics where you had a certain amount based on your one of your core attributes. And you could spend that to get uh, either re-rolls after a bad roll, or if you had a roll coming up that was important, you could spend a point of edge to uh, make all of your sixes explode. And it's where you're rolling six-sided dice. Every time you roll a six, it explodes, which means you get to roll it again. And if it gets another six, you keep rolling. So I've seen in the past where somebody, one of my friends who was super lucky, uh, rolled and got more successes than he had in his original dice pool because he kept rolling sixes over and over and over again. Then in 5th uh, edition Shadowrun, they changed it to where everything had a limit. Everything had a maximum amount of dice that you could, uh, of successes that you could count on certain actions. And that completely changed the feel of it because you no longer had those completely, you know, improbable, massively successful scenarios. Because if you're using poor equipment, you're just, you're limited. You're, you're done. Once you get to a certain amount, you're done. So that, that was Shadowrun 5's weirdest thing, but otherwise it was alright. Well, now, Shadowrun 6 just came out. Just launched. Oh. Yeah. So what, what they've basically been doing is they're doing a new game every five years or so. This is like real life five years. Which is a pretty good schedule for new editions. If they were making things better with every edition. Well, Shadowrun 6 came out and it's been a massive flop. Massive controversy butthurt nerds everywhere. I mean, nobody is happy with this, and, and with good reason. Um, and basically, from what it sounds like is, first of all, there's, there was almost no editing done in this book, the, which Shadowrun is notorious for having terrible editing. Rules all over the place. You have to search back and forth. Page references that are wrong, or just like, it'll say page XX, and like, obviously they had intended to fill it in later and just never got around to it. Uh, rules that are uh, like flavor text and then they leave the mechanics out of it. Like oh, they just no. forgot to fill in them. Oh, it's bad. I mean, Shadowrun is notorious for this. Every, every edition of Shadowrun eventually gets massive errata. I think Shadowrun 5 was up to 10 pages, 10 full pages on a PDF of fixes that they had to do. That's war game Damn. levels. Why not just, oh, it's why not just re-release the edition? Yeah, they did. People, well, that's that's what twentieth. How are they still in business? That's what twentieth anniversary was. It was a re-release of fourth edition with all the fixes in it. That's why I recommend it. It's very good. Fifth edition never got a re-release. Sixth edition is out, and they didn't even bother editing it in the first place. On top of that, well, fair enough. If you're that bad, you know. <laughs> yeah, why bother, right? Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes with Shadowrun, including the president apparently embezzling over a million dollars worth of their funds and them not paying the uh, freelance writers who write the stupid little story segments that I never read anyway. Oh my I don't know God. why books insist on putting those in, in role-playing games where they put like short stories 
that people wrote in the book. And I'm like, okay, I just want to get to the rules. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so <laughs> there's, a, there's been a lot of problems with Shadowrun. But uh, one of the additional things in, in the sixth edition is that they had playtesters who gave them feedback and none of the feedback was taken into account. They released it as it was anyway, even though there were glaring flaws. And one of the big, there's two big issues and they're basically the same, but they can be divided up into two problems. One is that they reworked the edge system. So instead of just being a simple Benny type system, you know, where you get to do a reroll or you get to add your, your edge to the, uh, to the overall amount, uh, to the overall dice pool. Now you've got this incredibly convoluted set of basically like extra maneuvers or upgrade options, a lot like how uh, Edge of Empire does it, but every type of action has a different set of edge things that can apply to it. So, and the, the thing is like, they've got a different amount of uh, edge that you have to spend for different levels of upgrades. So things like adding one die, which is not that big of a deal, costs two edge. Rerolling one die costs one edge. Add three to your initiative score uh, costs one edge. There's a bunch of these. I think there's like 15 different options here. Tw uh, three, four. Yeah, about 15 different options going from one edge to five edge. That's just the base amount. On top of that, additional perks or qualities or gear items give you additional options for things to spend edge on. And there's an entirely different set when it comes to the uh, matrix, which is the hacking and the combat as well. And you now have to play a mini game where you try to earn edge every single turn and then build it up to spend it on these bonuses that let you hit harder and actually put down an opponent. And the way that you build up this edge is by having superior equipment to your opponent. So things like uh, weapons no longer give accuracy bonuses. They give you an attack rating. They don't have a penetration number. They give you an attack rating. Armor no longer has a soak, which lowers the damage you're taking. It gives you a defense rating. So every time you attack a foe, you have to compare your attack rating at the specific distance that you're at to your to the specific foe you're fighting against his defense rating on his armor and any cover that he might be behind. And then whoever has the higher number of those two ratings, if it's higher by four, he gets at one extra point of edge per turn of attacking that person. So can you, theoretically, you could... Uh, reduce your amount of edge down to how much money you spent on it? Uh, n well, edge is earned per turn. It's like a, it's almost like building up like action oh. points to well, cash but, in on like a power attack. But you said it's based on your equipment. Yes. How fast you earn the edge in combat is based on your having superior equipment. Um, it's oh, also so it's like, it's like edge per minute then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It pretty much is. edge per round. It's edge like per edge round, per round. Yeah. You're st the funny thing is, though, you're limited to two edge per round. So, and, and the, the way that they changed it is that instead of attacks or different actions having penalties based on things like poor visibility, long distance, shooting through a door, things like that, now it's all funneled down to edge, different amounts of edge per turn. So if you're fighting in the dark and you have night vision and the other guy doesn't, you get an extra edge per turn. If you're, 
and like and so all of these different uh different modifiers if you have whatever gear negates the penalty and the other person doesn't you get an extra edge per turn but you're limited to two edge per turn so if you come into battle massively over prepared compared to somebody who's not you're still only getting two edge per turn so you're wasting your potential the other funny thing is and somebody noted this i, I saw this in a discussion about it if you're fighting and a blizzard rolls in or like a massive like windstorm rolls in there's no penalty due to wind because the wind affects both sides equally so nobody's getting extra edge compared to the other person so it doesn't matter if you're fighting on the windiest windstorm if you're trying to shoot long distances with all this wind blowing or if it's a completely still day you're gonna hit the person at the same rate as you would otherwise Hmm. and on top of this there's already an exploit with the core rulebook that is launched where you can buy an extremely cheap positive quality called analytical mind for only three karma. And this analytical mind gives you a free point of edge anytime you use a, or anytime you do a logic based computer test. And one of <laughs> one of the logic based computer tests is turning your comm link on and off if you don't have the electronic skill. So, so I was, I was just about to say, so could my logic based computer test be like one of those, uh, mind, uh, mind sharpening games that are, that are being sold on like the app store. You'd like, have to like, sell that to a game master because that's not listed in the rules, but turning your comm link on and off, like flicking the button on and off is listed in the rules. Uh, so you so, can, so rules is written. Rules is written, you can be in a fight, sitting behind cover, flicking your comm link on and off, and build your edge up, and then pop up and do critical hits. Hmm. <laughs> so, so what you're telling me is that, is that while I, I dangle off the side of a, of a massive building with lava flowing under me, and fighting my, my, my opponent... Who, so so none of us get any kind of modifiers for that. No. Yeah, no modifiers cuz you're all in the same if situation. He, if he if he suddenly got the high, if he suddenly got the high ground, I could actually just flip my my uh my comm link on and off and and go and kill him. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a great that'd be an excellent tactical move. Brilliant. <laughs> this is this is absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's terrible. They They've also uh, changed like elemental damage and various effects into status effects, just like Pathfinder or any MMO out there now. And they got rid of all those modifiers because they made it about this little edge gathering mini game. So they've in trying to make this more simple, they've made it absolutely retarded. And it's just it's completely destroyed the, the feel of Shadowrun because Shadowrun used to always be about like and Shadowrun is another one of those games where having the money is the biggest part. Like you need to have the funds so that you can buy better equipment, so that you can use your, you know, your skills to the best of your ability and and maximize your your damage output over longer distances and all this kind of stuff. And now they've reduced all that to this single analysis of attack rating versus defense rating. Armor doesn't even lower the damage you're taking. So there's there's all kinds of ridiculous... I saw somebody doing the math where you could have a pixie, like a little fairy, that hits as hard as a troll if you have a sledgehammer because it wasn't based on your strength. <laughs> like, it, just little stupid stuff. Wait, there's I, not I, a I strength requirement to use certain weapons? 
Uh, no, no, the, the, this was, I think it was a, a fireman's axe, if I recall correctly. But no, based on the rules as written, they've just, they've dumbed it down to the point of idiocy. Even, even Savage Worlds is yeah. not that stupid. Uh, the other thing is, uh, so the, the thing in Shadowrun is that orcs and trolls are analogs for black people. And they have been treated that way in the lore because the people who made Shadowrun were like hippie leftist fags and they wanted to have this like racism story. They've made this very clear that they want to have this story be about racism. They want to, uh, you know, address the, the idea of racism in the world. Now, nobody ever plays, literally no one has ever played it this way. But the guys who made it are, are like that. They, they're the, the signaling leftist types and they want it to be about that. So one of the things that they did was orcs and trolls have a lower maximum intelligence than the other meta types, than humans, elves, and dwarves. It's only by one out of, you know, out of six. So it's, it's not, you know, but it is, it is a significant thing, especially if you're playing as a hacker, because hackers need high intelligence for all of their stuff. Makes sense. So this led to very natural... Uh, you know, play where you wouldn't have too many orc hackers because they're not as good at it. They have a, a lower max. Once you get to max, you have to spend more maximizing the attributes than you would just raising it throughout the stats. So most people just don't play orc or troll if they want to do uh, a hacker. Um, and there was other reasons because it costs more, blah, blah, blah. I won't get into that. But now... Wait, you're they telling have... me that the orcs and the trolls can't use, like, black girl magic or something to hack the computers or like call upon actually like... funnily enough they they could they they could be technomancers couldn't they couldn't uh, they like use a flying pyramid or kemet or something like that i actually i actually heard that three uh orcish females actually were the real reason behind the dragons coming back mm. hmm. yeah. that's some deep lore right there i'm not i wasn't familiar Those with that are some hidden characters <laughs> hidden player characters hidden attributes yeah um yeah there's a couple of things like you could play as a magic character who boosted the skills needed to do hacking but it usually wasn't as effective as just having like cyberware and a higher base intelligence but anyway the point is that uh <sighs> In 6th edition, they've changed the way that you uh, select and upgrade the meta types, which is the different races, basically. So now, they all of them start at the baseline of 1 in all of the attributes. So no race is inherently better at anything at the start than any other race. Whereas in the past, orcs and trolls would have bonuses to their toughness and their strength. Like, the base toughness and strength would be higher. Elves had a base higher charisma and agility. Dwarves had a base higher toughness. Humans had a ba base higher edge. Now, everyone starts at one in every single attribute. And on top of that, they've squashed down the maximum, the increases to the maximum, so they're much lower than they used to be. And they raised in the uh, dwarves, or no, they raised the orcs and the trolls maximum intelligence to the same as everyone else. So there's no real penalty to playing them. Exactly. Hmm. They have changed it to where they have they have literally altered the rules to their fake reality to introduce race egalitarianism. But there's still racism, though, right? So then, why wouldn't I just play an orc or a troll? Uh, there's there's really not 
a reason now. I mean, like, they're, they're going to be much more powerful than they were previously. The main reason is that you don't want to play Shadowrun 6 because it's a mess. It's well, I mean, I, 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 I don't <laughs> think Shadowrun can handle my setting, but... Yeah, this this is just changing it now to where you could... Like, there's, there's no reason not to play an orc hacker now. Everyone's equal. I mean, they're not equal. They still have, like, extra benefits that humans don't have. They just don't have any of the penalties like they used to have. It sounds like a... Wow. Well, they, it's they, very they destroyed stupid. game balance for brownie point <laughs> brownie points. <laughs> uh, this is <laughs> Speaking of destroying games for brownie points. Ah, yes. So you're just really you don't have anything to say about my little review, my report? I I, I mean, I I think the that real blast segment really speaks for itself. All right, fine. Well, yeah. Then I I, mean... I, I, I finally consent to us moving on then. Oh, do you? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. I don't, I don't. Consent. Jack does not. Isn't there someone you forgot to ask? Mongoose, <laughs> <laughs> John, Jack. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so I, the the only last thing I was gonna say was that they did they did. I I don't know exactly if they did the same thing in Vampire the Masquerade, but they they screwed it up due to the fact that people without you know with without the ability to function in real society, uh, came in and destroyed the game. And, you know, I, I don't know. Well, Shadow... Okay, so it's interesting you mentioned that because Shadowrun has been heading in that direction. Uh, Shadowrun 4 was fairly even-handed about it. It wasn't pushing it too hard. Shadowrun 5 really delved into the SJW nonsense. They, in fact, I posted uh, an excerpt from uh, Data Trails, I believe it was, where, uh, like, they, they had an entire bit about, like, some in-universe SJW bitching about how there weren't enough orcs in hacking. Like, the, the, it was this entire section about, like, hackers are egalitarian. It doesn't matter who you are as long as you can hack. And then immediately after that, a segment called hackers are not as egalitarian as they think they are. Even now we're being too exclusive against orcs and trolls. And this is problematic. And then in the core rule book, they, uh, one of the elements of uh, Shadowrun has always, that they've always had a political movement, which they call poly clubs. It's basically just a political organization called Humanus. And Humanus is basically the human-oriented Hezbollah, where they are creating, like, an alternative uh, society, because in Shadowrun, the uh, governments have completely dropped the ball, completely lost power. They are shadows of their former oh, really? selves. Really? Yeah, that's, that's the entire say. point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh. But, yeah, it's almost like uh, corporations rule the world and push agendas and force people into being perfect Wait, consumers. global capitalism act... Uh, uh, global capitalism is controlling everything, and then it's pushing, like, equality in things as, like, a means of social control or something, or... Uh, the... Equality and consumerism. Identity through consumerism, not through who you are, yes. Huh, I, I wonder who would do that. That seems pretty weird. I don't know. It's a good thing Shadowrun is completely fictitious and yeah, not I'm very at glad all that this applicable. Game is very fake and not real. Wow. I'm, yeah. It's, it's really Dragons. Nice. <laughs> Elves. Yeah. Elves. Oh my god. Oh, um, my my ears and my neck. <laughs> yeah. Um so why do elves have such big ears? Why? Because sound is free. Because sound oh, okay. is free. Sound is free. <laughs> 
That's okay. Good. That's good. Um, so yeah, uh, in fifth edition Shadowrun, they had uh, an entire bit about uh, Humanus, and they uh, they just like they have great things on here, like following the proud tradition of racist groups since the dawn of time. Humanus is dedicated to putting a friendly face on hate. They're not against anyone, they'll tell you. They're just pro-human. They don't want to take away anything from the other metatypes. They just want to make sure humans get their fair share. Which is pretty much everything. I mean, this sounds... So, so wait, so... <sighs> I'm confused. So, so are there no other groups that are that are actually, like, vying for... Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Jack, because so does the book. So the book goes on to say, so it, it has a paragraph about how uh, Humanus serves as a nexus for a range of like-minded groups from the unpleasant and aggressive Alamos 20,000 to the ultraviolet Hand of Five. If you're a non-human, if you like non-humans, if you, or if you're going to be traveling anywhere non-humans are going to be, you need to be aware of what Humanus and its ilk are up to. They could pop up and mess things up at any time. They be could warned. Pop up and have a nonviolent rally, right? Uh, that's the ultimate of violence. What are you that talking is, about? That is their existence is violence. Anyway, so right <laughs> after that, it says, "This is my favorite part." The whole Newtonian thing about action causing reaction works with people just like it does in physics. There are some notable pro-metahuman groups, from powerful lobbyists and organizers of the Orcs Right Commission to the radical and violence-prone Sons of Sauron. <laughs> like the anti-meta groups, these organizations are capable of causing distractions or chaos wherever you may be. <laughs> so you notice, you notice how the difference in how they're described between the two, right? Listen, I'm just a normal human doing distraction. Okay, I'm just causing distractions. No, no, orcs. Orcs cause distractions. Oh, okay. Humans, humans cause violence. Uh, ultra violence. No, ultra violence. Sorry, not even normal violence. Ultra violence. But the the best part is the phrasing, the framing of this. They start the section off talking about the radical orc, radical and violence prone sons of Sauron with. The whole Newtonian thing about action causing reaction works with people just like as it does in physics. Do you get what they're saying there? They're saying your racism causes orc violence. Yeah, but that's that's actually how it works IRL. Your racism is the reason why uh uh Baltimore riots um systemic uh Historical um, supremacism intersection. That's how these. That's how these faggots think in real life. You're right, but they're equally wrong as they are here. Orcs are literally described as more aggressive, higher testosterone, higher like tendency towards violence. But the same people who run the U.S. also write this. Well, the same you know ideological bent of people write these Shadowrun books and throw in a blurb about how, well, the, the orc violence is just a reaction to your hate. Yeah, just like how Hamas's violence against the IDF is a reaction to Jewish supremacist hate against innocent Muslims living in Lebanon or Jordan. 
Or the entire Middle East, actually. But Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, Jewish supremacism is an issue that, that doesn't really get talked about. Sure, but then they project that onto us as well, and that's that's my biggest problem. Pro- I mean, psychological I projection. Really I think run I think Shadowrun is trying to is trying to, it's trying to tell us about see the humans in this scenario. It Shadowrun is actually a metaphor for Israel. Okay, and no, the, the humans here that they're the they're, they're the Israeli Zionists. And humanist, no. that's the that's No, the I'm not letting you do this. <laughs> no, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. We're not we're not gonna do the uh, we're not gonna do this. But yeah, but anyway, so the the weird thing to me, like the weirdest thing, is that Shadowrun Six not only changed it so that the races don't have that intelligence difference between them anymore, and they don't have different higher uh bottom level um attributes anymore, they also toned down their description, uh, like they toned down the SJW stuff. So the description for Humanus is a single paragraph and it says like, uh, Humanus is the most well-known. They see human and meta as black and white division, like good versus evil. Guess one guesses to which side they think is good. While Humanus is the pinnacle of rage, hatred comes from both sides of the racial divide. So they're literally doing the Trump bit of there are bad people on both sides. Some of them. Some of them, some, sure. some of them are good people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure just, some of them have uh, have maximum intelligence limits that are some of them have max <laughs> right. But it's just it's a very weird thing that they they tone down the in universe like justification for racism and tone down the in universe racism at the same time. Cringe. Yeah, it's just like they're just going back on their their attempt at virtue signaling. It's just very weird. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to make of that. I, it's it's just too bad that this like, all of that virtue signaling was was meaningless anyway because you can't force a game master to include your cringy metaphor for racism at the table. Like I said, I have never played Shadowrun that included the racism. Unless crap. he consents. Okay. Well, I was, I was trying to wrap this up and move on to the next one. I am one. trying to as well. <laughs> You're not wrapping up. Which You're just like hardcore it. shifting. All right. Yeah, fine. I am hardcore shifting. I have wanted to talk about this for a long while. I, I know you're doing the thing I was doing with Pathfinder too. <laughs> I'm gonna no, I'm gonna do the thing that you do every time we do war games and just say, why do we have to talk about this? I want to talk about. Consent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, I have I do not do that every time. You say I do that every time. You're going to cause me to be war gameist, ladies, Mongoose. ladies. Your hate is causing me to re- to be reactionary to your hate. It, it, <laughs> Your your speech is uh, imaginary RPG uh, crimes against um, <laughs> uh, something, <laughs> and I do okay, not consent. Well, yeah, let's talk. We're gonna about have this. to read this consent PDF on consent in games, consent in gaming, consent in gaming. And now, if the audience consents to us saying this, and if John consents to me making this transition, we can we can move on to talk about this. This wonderful uh um 12 page screed about uh consent yeah well do you want me to talk about where this came from uh do you want me to do the speed run or should you go through the like the entire like web chain of people uh well yeah i mean basically this came from a uh developing movement in rpgs that is uh, like astroturfing developing movement i would just say it's a bunch of people complaining but yeah 
Well, it's a developing bowel movement of people that is just astroturfing a, uh, this, this entire shift towards gaming. Emphasis on the gay. And, uh, it's all about... The, like the, the, this started with the X tool, right? This started with the X tool and it uh, then spread to the guys who make fate put out a for, for uh, supplement. For those of you guys who are not familiar, the X tool is unrelated to the N word. Yeah, we've already covered. If you're not clear, we've covered the X tool and all the safety tools. Uh, episode 30, I think it was the uh, yeah, dueling consent dueling flowers. Yeah, consent flowers. Um, that was a very good episode. A soy right. war story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But uh so the uh the X card and all these safety tools came out. Then it, let me cut through the history. Then they went on to the <laughs> the um uh god, what was the next one? It, oh yeah, the guys who make fate. Uh they are leftist losers as well and like uh most people they have design that actually get published nowadays. <laughs> I am aware. I'm aware. But uh yeah, I'm reiterating it. But, it for the audience. We could have Well, they put out a uh, PDF. It's like one of their codexes or like additional splat books, but it was called uh, Accessibility in Gaming, I believe it was. And it was written from the perspective of a a handy, like a handicapped person wrote it, and it was all about how you should uh, handle handicaps in games, uh, you know, in a safe and. Wait, was, uh, this, was this written by the Knig of dyslexia? No, this was written by a woman who has PTSD, because they all have PTSD. Dude, I have PTSD. Don't even. I, you know what? I'm just gonna say I have PTSD. Do I actually have PTSD? Probably not. I can just assert it. That that well, everyone I actually, has PTSD. I actually t- I have had PTSD because I had a severe work accident with one of our industrial machines and uh, then had to go back to work with that same industrial machine. And uh, yeah, I, 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 know what, uh, I know what that is. I know what PTSD is. I still went back to work. I still, I put up with the nightmares, I put up with the flashbacks, I put up with the panic attacks, and I pushed through it and I overcame because that's what being human is about. It's not about wallowing in your weakness and indulging your shittiness. I thought being human was about irrational racism against orcs. Do you want to go back to Shadowrun or not? <laughs> Make up your. I was doing now, a joke. Gentlemen, gentlemen. gentlemen. Shit, get off the pot. Gentlemen, I, I think I think it's good to uh, to look at these important things about consent uh, box in in the PDF here. Uh, it doesn't matter why consent wasn't given, and nobody has to explain why they're not consenting. Okay, plus, well, I'm, plus there's I'm a not spectrum consen- of I'm consent. I'm not consenting to you skipping ahead. I want to get through the history real quick. I just wanted to <laughs> tell you that there's a spectrum of consent for each topic. <laughs> oh, God, that's so good. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, so, yeah, so they, this started with the accessibility, or, you know, started with the X card, then it moved to the accessibility in gaming, written from the view of a handicapped person and about the uh, mindful and blah, 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 whatever, methods of including disabilities in your games. This is a basically a reaction to, you know how, like, in a lot of role-playing games, they have critical hit tables that can, like, you know, incapacitate a limb, or especially, like, Call of Cthulhu can cause mental disabilities as your sanity goes down? Yeah. Uh, Shadowrun has negative qualities that include things like uh, memory loss or you know amnesia. They've got color blindness. They've got uh, addiction. They've got uh, phobias. So there's a lot of you know Savage Worlds has uh, has hindrances along those lines as well. Yep. They've got lame and cripple in there actually. Come to think of it, 
uh, deaf, mute, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of games include this and the accessibility, uh, in, in gaming thing came out and that was, you know, a big virtue signal against that and how you're being problematic. If you include these things without paying proper attention to how to be inclusive of the people who are going through these issues and blah, de blah, de blah. Um, and a lot of, what was interesting is that there was a lot of people chiming in, in the comments sections on both the, uh, the RPG, shoot, the, whatever, the website that has the RPG books, uh, as well as on the Reddit thread saying, whoa, I've got a disability. I don't like this pampering mentality that you're taking. I don't like this tact that you're taking of, you know, you need to be on eggshells around me. I play games as escapism. I don't want to be expected that when I go into a game, I'm going to play the cripple and you have to know how to cater to my crippling you know, problem. So that, that was interesting seeing the feedback they wrote. And of course, of course, the guys behind it, the fate guys and the author were jumping in there and telling these people how wrong they were. They need to be condescended to. They need to be coddled. You know, because it's it's the non-crippled man's duty, apparently, to to shepherd him and to show him how he needs to be treated in games. They, um, I mean, you can you can look at that and, and that this is like the 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 conservative alt like kind of like, oh, these people are the real bigots, and they're they're kind of doing that. I think the thing that boils down to from our end and from our thing is, this is dumb, and I'm not going to do it because it's dumb. You're stupid. Well, my stance is not, I agree with you, but my stance is not that they're bigots. My stance is they're power mongers. They're power hungry, and they're using this as a cudgel to attack people and gain social power. Well, yeah, the, well, I mean, just to, uh, let's, we can, we're not going to go through the entirety of this PDF. I think that the real, we can hit the high points, and then we can all take the, um, do the consent form at the end. I mean, but if we... Yeah so, let, yeah, so let's get to this one. That that was accessibility in gaming. Let me just talk about... Consent in gaming was the third one that came out. This is the third movement. And what's weird is that they're referencing back to these other two as if they're part of an ongoing, like, social order or something. So consent in gaming was put out by... Uh, they're a game company, Monty Cook Games. They've come up with a couple of games. I've heard of the Cypher System and No Thank You Evil, which I want well, to touch on. Well, and, and, also, and, and also Numenera. Okay, yes. and they put out this PDF. Now we can talk about the PDF. All right. Well, well. So I, I just wanted to point out. Yeah, uh, Monty Cook also made Numenera. He he was also yeah. the primary writer for D and D three point five, and third. Yes. Edition. Yeah, they were heavily. Uh, yeah, they've been involved in D and D as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah anyway. they've. I mean, these are. This is very clearly a. Uh, it's a manufactured social consensus that's that's going to be used, in the way in its uh in in the way it's going to be you i mean this this is going the goal is going to be and i'm really like i've i've written an article on this on littlewars.home.blog you can look at it there it's called um uh what is it truth and reconciliation coming to a table near you um yeah and and that that that's just kind of riffing off the idea of a truth and reconciliation council which you should you should definitely look up if you're not familiar um, but it's, it's just weird seeing it in real time, how these people are putting out these fringe things that you'd think like, you know, okay, well that's just stupid crap. No one's going to pay attention to it. And then additional people are putting out this stuff and cross-referencing those other things as if they actually mattered. And then more people are going to keep building well, on this. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's how they do it. They're building a, the building of false consensus. The idea is that they want to have, they want to create a reality wherein any time you come to a table 
this is the unspoken expectation. Actually, no, that's not the reality they want to create because they know that's not realistic. And no one doing this believes that this is going to be an unspoken expectation in every table. The goal is to have that one player who's kind of politically motivated, politically activist, and it's the goal is to give them the framework and the tools to uh, sort of bring everyone else in mind. So, so you may have a group of normies, and if you have a group of normies, chances are you're going to have one who's kind of like this activated, um, sort of animated, especially in these circles, sort of activated, sort of fringe, lefty type. And what they're going to do is they can use these and they can bring them up and bring them in and sort of shoehorn them in into these games and sort of use them to sort of extract social compliance out of other people. And it gives them the tools to do that. And what they're doing is they're creating this sort of... And oh boy, does it give them tools. Oh no, yeah, but they're, they're using this sort of framework. Uh, they're, they're manufacturing a false consensus that these tools have to be used by self-referencing one another. I mean, this is, I yes. mean, it's, it's what they do in academia as well. What they'll, what they'll do is they'll, they'll come up with a, a consensus idea and then they will continue to circularly reference one another um, and then use this sort of group ability to destroy, uh, or not destroy, but sort of establish a, uh, a form of consensus. Yeah, now put down whatever you're clicking. All right. Now, Mongus, the Mongus, yes. I do not consent to your clicking. Stop it. We All know right. that you but don't consent. You just don't respect that consent anyway. Oh, 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 that's that's a great segue into recovering from consent mistakes. Well, yeah, and I I I saw that too and I wanted to read that, but the way the way that, and I uh, actually really love the blurb right above that, but what it seems to me is that they're sowing the ground so that the social expectation is that people will fall in line with this and thereby empowering their activated political agents to use these rules and these, these ideas as a cudgel against anyone with wrong think. And nowhere is that more encompassed than what it says in this little blurb right here. Uh, we need to be able, willing to recognize when somebody makes a mistake, just like we want them to be able to handle our own mistakes gracefully. But I'm referring to more than just a rare and sensitive gaffe. Sometimes there will be someone in a group who just holds different beliefs than you, just like in any group of people in life. And just <laughs> like in other aspects of our lives, some of those beliefs might be downright offensive or make you feel unsafe. And no RPG is worth that. So what they're saying in this little section here, and this this comes right after the uh, the bit about, like, they even give a bit about, you need to be able to relax and tell a joke. You know, you need to be able to have fun, sometimes recognize that people are just joking around. But sometimes people believe differently from you, and that is a problem. Yeah, it's not it's not worth it to be friends with somebody if they believe differently to you. Yeah, if those beliefs are downright offensive. Well, what is downright offense? Oh, they don't follow your leftist globo homo crap. Well, yeah, that's the implication, right? They don't actually tell you what's offensive and what's not. Like it, it could be it could be an offensive smell, right? Well, I mean, they do tell you what's offensive. Well, Anything the, that somebody takes offense to. Well, the the goal here, and I mean, uh, we could we could go through and like talk about every single little bit of this, but really, it boils down to you have to establish every single little theme thing you're going to touch on, uh, and then everyone gets veto over it, right? That's the that's the idea here. 
Well, what's really alarming to me is that, and I, I pointed out a video of on YouTube of some guy who's like trying to relate the player game master relationship to a BDSM you know, submissive dominant relationship. Well, yeah, that's it's because that's because anyone who talks about BDSM in any context, other than realizing that it's a weird, depraved sexual fetish, uh, they talk about it from the uh, from the perspective of, oh, well, it's a uh, you know, th there's like consent and then like safety words, and it's all about like pleasure and exploring one. Another. It's very creepy in a way. But oh, yeah. yeah, I can see why one of these weird freaks would talk about it in that way, because that's the way they talk about it, you know? Yeah, well, even in this book, they have an entire section about aftercare and checking in. Those are BDSM terms. This is straight out of the BDSM community. Right. Aftercare and checking in. Oh, things yeah, about that's true. Oh, my God, yes, I didn't even notice that. They're turning everything into this weird sexual dynamic that is, it's even more perverted than supposedly the like magical realms that they're trying to prevent in the first place. Because they're taking the sexual dynamic and applying it to the real world relationships. Well, I mean, these people are cum brains. They cannot perceive the world outside of their own deranged stimulation. T, man who talks about monster girls constantly. But anyway, <laughs> yes. I mean, getting, I mean, like, but really, like... When you look at it, uh, of course, uh, sexual deviants and perverts are always going to be the revolutionary vanguard for this. Who else would it be? Yeah, I mean, it's called consent in gaming. Where does consent come in? I mean, sexual when relationships. You, when you sit down at the table, you are implicitly get saying, and it, I, it's it's kind of stupid that we have to go over this, but but apparently we do. When you sit down at my table, you are basically <laughs> saying, okay. I'm going to subject myself to whatever. And if you don't want to, you could just leave. Like, I, I, okay. Use the open door policy. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that, I'm not going to say open door policy, but you know, it's a social interaction. If you don't, if you don't like a social interaction, you say, yeah. oh, my stomach of hurts. Course. I need to go home. I feel like I'm going to puke. Okay. Like that's, that's fine. Like, okay. It's like a party. You can leave a party if it's well, bad. That, that might be kind of. That might be kind of weird if somebody's like over at your house eating your chips and they're like, I got to puke. It's like, uh, is there something in the chips? What's going well, on you, here? You, you, get, you get what I'm saying, though. I mean, we, we all understand well, that. Yeah, well, because I'm, ju I'm just delivering like a generic thing you'd say at a party to get out. Like, you know. I don't, well, I don't think anybody needs to counter the idea of like all of this consent stuff is gay. What, what I keep coming back to is how they're trying to change our hobby into this weird sexual dynamic that I just. Well, the, the <sighs> idea, everything, everything has to be about these sort of, um, everything has to be controlled for these people in some sense. And, and this is their means of control. I mean, we we're talking about, uh, what we're, we're talking about this, uh, with this stuff. Uh, let's just go through some of these, some, like some of the non BDSM terminology they talk about in here. Like, uh, um, Safety word? Oh, wait, no. Uh, they, they use, they oh, use, wait, no. use a lot of things like spectrum. They use the word spectrum. There's a spectrum for each topic. Uh, it's not up for debate. Um, the, uh, you know, people can always change their mind about what they are or aren't consenting to. Uh, this, is, this is very much, a lot of it is very, for one, this, this very much reads like an HR policy. Uh, it, this mm -hmm. is a corporate HR policy. This is an RPG uh, HR policy, absolutely. No, this is an HR policy for a sex dungeon. 
implying that that's just not an average corporation. Like, let's let's be. Yeah. yeah. I am implying that I worked for a corporation. I that I must have worked for a different one than you did. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, a, a corporation is is a different sort of like sex dungeon, but yeah. I can totally see your your whole thing with with sex because then because then they have to keep talking like this and it leads to like these weird uh stumbling blocks where they say something like recovering from consent mistakes. What yeah. what what the fuck is a consent mistake? Like did you accidentally rape the girl at the table or something? Like you raped their minds with your story. And th- this is where <laughs> this is where I get into like yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a um HR policy speak because HR will talk yeah. about like oh we have to rectify this um employee relations uh mishap or something due like that to, they'll have they'll have breach weird, of consent yeah. yeah they'll have weird like or like due to breach of uh trust or something like no. that and then they'll have these this... sorts of weird euphemistic ways of saying we offended somebody we need to make it right right like you can never actually talk about okay, what you're but... talking about I mean, and that's all that says to me is that like corporations are moving towards the college campus, like don't rape a bitch policies. Like, you, you know, when you go to college now, they give you this entire like lecture for, for men about how not to rape. Oh, they give... It just sounds like HR departments are moving towards that. Not that, that this is moving towards HR departments. Everything's converging on this. Everything well, is sexual if, if about HR was always going to end up this way. But the way you can tell that this is language of control is that it's not talking about what it's actually about. Right. That the that the words are not actually describing what's what's realistically happening here. If you if you analyze it in, in sort of a material sense. Right. Well, I don't get what you mean by that. OK, so. So, for example, I uh, when you when you talk about HR, they'll talk about um, they'll, they'll have a policy name. But then what that policy actually ends up boiling down to is it's just a tool that people use uh, punitively against one another in uh, office politics, but it is not, like, described in that way. Or, for example, uh, the government, like, will, will call things something, and but, you know, the, the name of a policy or its description actually has nothing to do with what it ends up actually doing. Or another good example of this in this context is they're talking a lot about consent, but really all this boils down to is you're just giving one player or a series of players um, uh, the ability to uh, really just veto anything. And this isn't a player veto policy, and it isn't a player content veto policy, and it's not described as such, but that's what it boils down to, right? Well, no, it, it, that's it, what is, it's used it is described, but it is described as that. They use terms like... Uh, opted in or opted out topics. They use uh, non-consent topics. They say, like in the recovering from consent mistakes, it's like, what is a mistake? Uh, you know, or how do you recognize it? Somebody first recognizes the mis- the conversation moved to a non-consent topic. They're very explicit about this. You have to consent to every single topic, and if you touch one that isn't consented to, you're a rapist. Well, what I'm getting at is that there's there's a difference between being super explicit about it and trying to paper over it with certain types of language. And I mean, that's really what they're doing here is they're they're papering I don't, over. I don't think they are. I think they're they're very explicitly saying what they want and what they want is control. Like if, if you've read if you went through and read this, it's very explicit about changing the conversational dynamic of a game and the relationship of the players to be about this form of walking around each other on eggshells, lest you 
mess up and show that you're not a conformist to the social dynamic, in which case you, you're being forced, you are literally by the language in here, forced to apologize. And it's the language they use is weird stuff like, uh, here's the thing. You're a role player. If you can pretend to be an elf or cyborg, if you can insult a king to his face, dot, 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 then you can apologize to your friends for saying something that made someone uncomfortable. That's, that's why I, uh... That's so creepy! But it's very explicit about what they want. They want you to be walking on eggshells and apologetic and trying hard not to upset anybody and apologizing when you do. They want you on your belly, begging for permission for everything you say. Well, the, and then this is, but they don't say it to you like that. I mean, this is this is like the difference between liberalism and Stalinism, where Stalinism very clearly tells you what what it's gonna do, and then it does it. Whereas, like, I don't know liberal, where you're reading. They explicitly tell you what they want. What are you talking about? Well, they, it's they, very they explicit, clear, but they don't phrase it to you in a way that is tyrannical. The the, the thing of liberalism is this the, entire book is tyrannical. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it's not phrased in the way it's not phrased in the language of tyranny, John. It's phrased in the language of consent and, and like everyone is comfortable. Like the it's the goal Consent is tyranny. It's the tyranny of the masses. Yes. It's but, democracy. <sighs> You're just I don't understand. I don't know how you can read this and not go In fact I saw this was the reaction from the majority of people as Holy shit, they want to control every aspect of what's going on. Oh, the yeah, because that, that's what a normal person, like, th this is this is very, very poor liberal uh, liberal tyranny, but it's it's still it's still in the liberal style. The, the, the Stalinist style is like, if you don't like, if you don't like gay shit, like, fuck off and don't play our game. Like, that's, that's the Stalin style. This is the liberalist style of, well, what we're going to do is we're going to sort of, like, make sure that our cohort of, like, weird... Uh, and like SSRI addled um, uh, gender freaks uh, that the when one of them shows up to your table, they're able to sort of wedge this in there and use it as a bludgeon against you, and <laughs> we're giving them the tools to do so, right? Like they're fundamentally difference, fundamental difference in approaches and the way it's phrased. Like you know, that just reminded me that you're right. I, I come to think of it, because they approach it in a harm care language. Yeah, that that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> sure, but that's still tyrannical. Well, yeah, yeah, so no, of course we, we're, we're smart yeah. that that's tyrannical. But that the point is to disguise the tyranny of using harm care right yes. language. Yeah. But what's funny is just recently on Reddit, I saw this thread about a guy who's a game master, and he says, "I have two friends. One of them is trans, and the other one is gay. And I don't have a problem with that. I hang out with them all the time. They're my friends because I'm not transphobic and not homophobic. But I'm running a Dungeons and Dragons game, and the trans, his trans friend." wants a large part of the game to be about the struggles that trans people go through and have transphobia be a part of the setting so that he can then overcome transphobia in the game. And the gay guy says, I want to have a gay romance. I want to be gay in the game and have a gay romance. And the game master said to both of them, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't feel comfortable having those elements in my game. I don't want to do that. And this guy got crucified on Reddit. <laughs> because how dare you not include trans issues? How dare you be, be homophobic against your gay friend? And I was like, wait, what happened to consent? What happened to consent? Right, well, because it's <laughs> like phrased in harm care, you can always rephrase the issue and reframe the issue so that the proper group is harmed or cared for. The actual, I mean, and yeah. that's how you know this is tyrannical language is because this isn't going to be uh, 
this isn't going to be applied in any consistent manner. Right. No, that guy's consent was thrown out the window. And the, the response, like the thing that I kept seeing in the comments, which is just hilarious seeing on Reddit, because obviously on Reddit, you can't give the right answer. But the thing I kept seeing over and over again was uh, people saying like, well, I wouldn't have a problem with him excluding those if he just had a good reason. Well, <laughs> and I people don't... would be like, the people responding were like, well, he doesn't want them in there. No, I get it. And that's problematic because he can't give a good reason. Well, what is a good reason? There isn't one. And the, the, the reason yeah, exactly. is they're never going to grant you that premise. So the, 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 yeah. the, the good reason is it's um, my good reason is that's my preference and you don't have any right to uh, dispute it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's just it's just hilarious seeing consent applied one way when it's so obviously fake. Uh, you know what the good reason is? This is my table. <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly yeah i don't want that crap in my game get out um but yeah i, di I did want to cover this thing that jack just posted from the game they have a page where they link to additional resources uh and one of them is the uh the x card uh one of them is the Bonquay wordpress site which uh interesting because Bonquay is a racist chinaman who hates white people Wait, what? And he has a word. Yeah, they link to a, an extremely anti-white Chinaman who is in role-playing games here in the West. For some reason, he has an entire country of his own people, but he comes here to our country and then viciously attacks our people. Weird that, isn't it? I don't know. It's just bizarre. But if you ever if you ever want to read through some of the most vicious racism, go to bonquay.wordpress.whatever.blog.com. But uh, yeah, he's got all kinds of articles about the pr how dare white people represent themselves in medieval European uh, role-playing games. Anyway, um, but then below that, <laughs> below that, they link to the gender pronoun name tags. And uh, Jack actually uh, did some research for us. <laughs> Jack, why don't you tell us what you found? <laughs> Sorry. I, as you guys were talking, I could not... Uh... Couldn't get a, a word in edgewise? So, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, as you guys were talking, I could not, uh, the choruses of, of course, of course, were, were, in, my, were in my head. <laughs> uh, uh, basically, uh, under the same page tool for Bon Quay, there's gender pronoun name tags. Although mm -hmm. not designed specifically for RPGs, there are a number of places to download or purchase name tags that have a space for gender pronouns. For example, Congregation Bet Haverim offers free downloads Hoverim. of name tags. Haverim, excuse me. So I go there, I, I follow the link to their wonderful website, and uh, let me let me just read you a, a quote. Well, before you that, even get to that, oh, I yeah. noticed an interesting symbol. A six-pointed star. How yes. weird. I'm just going to do this every time now. Yeah, they've got yeah. the exact same symbol as the Sorceress from Pathfinder 2. <laughs> yes. I don't know yes. what the message are they saying this is a sorceress organization? I believe this is a demonic sorceress organization, but mm. but allow allow me to let them speak for themselves. Uh Bet Her Haverim or House of Friends. Ooh, friends. Was founded by gay men and lesbians as a Jewish home where they could bring their whole selves to fully engage Judaism and Jewish life. Recognizing the value of hospitable, empowered, empowering sacred community, 
HB CBH grew to enthusiastically embrace. <laughs> There's all that Jews. dyslexic. <laughs> There's yeah. that dyslexia again. <laughs> I am. I am. I am a Knig. Yes. A Knig. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Embrace all Jews and their loved ones, particularly those who have wandered, wandered seeking acceptance. Yeah. So. So, gay men and lesbians who wanted to fully engage Judaism. <laughs> yeah. That. That's. That's the link. That's the link that they give you. For for their pronoun pronoun name tags, are they saying that Judaism, in order to be fully Jewish, you have to be gay? Is that what they're saying? Well, I think you have to wear one of these pronoun name tags. Well, that's pretty gay. Yeah, if if you look at these name tags, they're basically just like the the normal like "Hello, my name is." Uh, and then, <laughs> Hello, my pronouns are. <laughs> and then and then under it, yeah, exactly. And then under it, it's and my pronouns are. And then you you. <sighs> And and they even have they even have helpful oh. downloads. Oh no, they went with they've even got the old school Z and here. Z yeah. slash here. No X I R X I did not consent to having my goddamn language fucking destroyed by disgusting. They've got they've got Zay Zem Zir and Z here Sorry, I don't even know how you pronounce that. <laughs> and then blank. They just got blank. Hello, my pronouns are nothing. <laughs> no pronouns. You may not refer to me. <laughs> I'm not spending money on a pronoun thing for a freaking game. Where's it, it, it? I guess. Like, I, that should be just I guess all of them. That's not. Yeah, that's all of them, actually. So, yeah, that's that's <laughs> funny. So so they got an interesting little uh, little list of additional resources here at the very end of it. Yeah, the resources are the X card, a Chinese racist, a really gay Jewish organization, <laughs> and and one of their own games. They advertise one of their own games, which is No Thank You Evil. So this is and like the, the this is like the trifecta of things you should just ignore. Yes. Absolutely. I mean in a sane society, yeah, nobody would pay attention to this crap to be odd and weird and maybe good for a laugh which is i feel like what we're doing right now i mean i i'm anger laughing <laughs> all right guys i think well I no think no we're... let's finish up with the we got to finish up with a consent checklist well no this no, is the final no, page no i was that's what i was getting to is i, I think i okay, think we good, need to good. uh we need to uh do our consent checklists yeah so green is enthusiastic consent bring it on Yellow is okay if veiled off stage, might be okay on stage, but requires discussion ahead of time. <sighs> Don't, I'm John. Well, I know, well, I'm sorry. I know it's I'm boring, sorry. But... <laughs> it's just so boring. Um, red, hard line, do not include. So uh, we're going to go. I'm not allowed. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go through all of these. Um, okay. Horror. Uh, green, yellow, red, guys. Uh, I mean, green. I w- we'll just go through and name all of them. If you have anything that's not green, I guess. Let yeah, him... I need to go green. Uh, bugs. Bugs, blood, demons, eyeballs, gore. Harm to animals, harm to children, rats, and spiders. I'm going to go with yellow on harm to children, I guess. Yeah, um, like, everything like else green. Children being yeah. hurt. <laughs> I mean, but that's... Uh, the, I can see why. It boils down to, like, I don't want to play a game, like, beating up kids. <laughs> Well, I think it depend. It really depends on the genre. Like Ryutama, absolutely not. But at the same time, you do need to have that conversation with the players. Like you, you're not allowed to play a child because you know I'm not going to hurt you, assholes. Well, yeah, but the I also just don't like child PCs oftentimes because 
the people that do that tend to they just... can be done well i think Ro- roscoe did it well so yeah but he was playing like it a, can be done he was well playing like a young teenager not really a kid he was 14 my, he was the wor- my worst trope uh you see when you're in role playing is you meet that girl who's in a role playing and she's like oh yeah my last campaign i played a kid and it was so quirky and i was annoying and i annoyed everybody and then she gives you this look where you're like yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to mark red on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to mark you for uh, uh, All right. Bigfoot. So, uh, was also relation Relationships. They've, they divided it up between romance and sex. Well, we're going to go green on all romance. Romance is great. Everyone loves love. Love is a great yeah, plot I mean, element. Uh, yeah. Sex? Sex, I would say, maybe fade to black as yellow and everything else probably. Or explicit, definitely red. I don't want explicit sex at the role-playing table. I will... And it's not because I'm squicked out. It's just, it's going to be awkward hearing two dudes because, again, no women allowed. <laughs> right, of course. Discuss how their anime cat girls are boning each other. Yes, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's just... Fade to black. I, I, I'm, okay. gonna, I'm gonna say that like between PCs and NB- NPCs is the biggest nope from me because no, I don't wanna, I don't wanna RP like uh doing the bit with the. Well, character. that's that's the point of fade to black. It's just implied. It doesn't happen. So if you get the romance to that point, okay, imply it. You don't need to touch on it. You don't need to talk. You, you like, can you can even imply it and then like not even like actually even talk about it at all because people kind of get that like. But again, it's not because I'm like uncomfortable and my my feelings might be hurt by having sexual content in my games, guys. It's because I don't want to hear it. It's it's, it's also like if you if you open that can of worms, it's not uh, some players will just constantly talk about it to a point where everyone else is just like it's gonna derail. Yeah, it's, de- gonna derail it's derailing. Everything. It's disgusting. Well, not not disgust. Well, it can be disgusting, and nobody wants to hear you talk about it. Right. right. So, yeah, like I said, red on explicit, I'd say maybe a between, like orange. There's no orange, but if I could, then orange on fade to black. Yeah. Orange. Uh, here's the, uh, yeah, like in between yellow and red. Oh, okay. But here's the interesting <laughs> thing now. <laughs> we, I'm like, that's not part of the. <laughs> Actually, Jack, I need to hear your opinion because I need to know how uh, how many of your uh, NPCs I can bone. Oh how God. many, uh, how many, how many NPCs can I give the old lizard dick to? <laughs> <laughs> oh no see this is the exact sort of talk you're supposed to like, try to prevent you know no this is this is good this is funny uh that's a hard red on lizard dick sir what? Uh, this is discrimination which which is the next part would you would you yeah, want to go yeah, back yeah. go to the next one which is right. a hard green on all of these yeah yeah well here's what's interesting and some people against on, romance, some people on you're cringe yeah, I I agree. Romance can make for a good story. That's a traditional white person story trope. That's like all of Wagner's early operas or like romances. And if you don't like that, you you're just a cringe normie. I'm sorry. Right. So, but yeah, moving on to the next section, social and cultural issues. Some people on 4chan noted this uh, that uh this has a very obvious bias because the presented issues listed, homophobia, racism, sexism, they don't have an option for non-whites, homosexuals, women. Hmm. Or or empowered women specifically. Well, you have an additional topics, but <laughs> Yeah, you could write well, it. Well, you, you could you could also just say like human women because we want monster girls. Well, or or like or there's no feminism option. Yeah. You they don't give you a feminism. You have specific cultural issues. 
So you could you could be like, I don't want any anti-white racism at the table, please. Yeah, no anti-white sentiment, no feminism, no transsexuality. I need a, thir- a fourth line for no homosexuals. Um, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna go with green on all of those except real world religion. I'm gonna go yellow on that, largely because when you're playing with some people, most people really stink at doing real world religion. Well, it depends. If you're playing a modern game or, or like a game set in the real world, there should absolutely be real world religion. Because it'd well, be weird if you told everybody they had to be atheist. No, no, I, I mean that. I'm, what I'm saying is like if you're trying to port <clears throat> a religion in, into like a more fantastical or off real world thing, you're not. I mean, if, unless you really, really know what you're doing, it's going to come off as weird more often than not. I guess. my I did that in my game that I ran. I had... Uh, I had fantasy Christianity in my alternate, like, magic, uh, you know, fantasy World War One. I'm not saying you have to make up religions from scratch. I'm just saying, like, if you're making a fantasy game and you're just going to have explicit Christianity, like Holy Lands RPG. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I told my players, I, I made up the religion. I made it not from scratch, but I made it with alternate names and an alternate history. And then I told my players... This is just Christianity. Like, you know, and everything you know about Christianity applies to this. Don't. And that, in a way, was a, a framing device that helped them familiarize them with the, the idea of the in-universe in religion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, moving on, we have mental and physical health. Cancer, so, claustrophobia. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, so, <clears throat> so I mean, I, I was looking through this and, I, and something stood out to me. Gaslight. Well, well we, yeah, we, let me, we gotta let me get read the there. list. Yeah, so sorry, mental and physical health. Cancer, There's cancer, green, claustrophobia, claustrophobia green, freezing, freezing to death, uh, double green. Let me read the list. You just told Jack to let me finish it. <laughs> Golly. All right. Cancer, claustrophobia, freezing to death, freezing to death, not just cold temperature, freezing to death, gaslighting, genocide, heat stroke, natural disasters like earthquakes and forest fires, paralysis slash physical restraint. There's that bondage. Police and police aggression. Pregnancy, miscarriage, or can, abortion. Can we, uh, wait, wait, stop. I want to talk about that for a second. Okay? Okay. It's interesting to me that pregnancy isn't under relationships, for one. Yeah. And it's and in the same line as abortion. Yeah, and two... It's, like, tied to abortion. You can't, you... you can't, like, have a separate thing for, like, pregnancy and then miscarriage and abortion. It's pregnancy lumped in with miscarriage and abortion. It's like they're trying to imply that those are all naturally tied together. These are the sorts of people who will imply that a baby is a parasite and they have the right to kill it. I mean, and that's that's that sort of prioristic assumption, and which is why this is so poorly written. Oh, where it's like, I think it's... pregnancy is great. Uh, the more pregnancy you have in your game, the better. Go for it. Maybe. I don't know if you want your PCs getting pregnant. Well, that's but... that that doesn't work out so well. No, but um, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it, it does actually make a world more realistic to be like, oh, hey, I go find a random person to talk to. Let's like, okay, you find a pregnant lady. Okay, like that's a thing that happens in real life. If that's like an occasional thing. Uh, Mongoose, I think you mean you find a lady who's pre-abortion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do the. I, I gotta give. I gotta give that like one of uh, five out of five seconds of sucking air through my teeth for that. No, one. don't. We're not doing that. We're not. I, doing I just that. did. Right. I mean, I'm, just, I'm talking about what I just. Did. Anyway. Okay. So self harm, severe weather, hurricanes, tornadoes. <laughs> that, that one makes me laugh. Severe weather. I, I don't know. consent to this tornado. Too bad the tornado doesn't. Or the tornado <laughs> consents to your house. 
I grew up in Kansas and my whole house was lifted up to a magical realm in the sky. I don't get, I have PTSD from tornadoes. It's, it's just, it's just like included in the list along with like police aggression and abortion and <laughs> genocide is severe weather what also also for the record hurricanes are not that bad also uh, like, uh, uh, yeah yeah i mean well the thing is, is you got like i've lived through multiple of them they're not that severe... bad it's a lot of wind and a lot of rain put plywood over your windows you're fine your black i mean your part i know you don't have windows i get it you're, you, you don't, it's not that you don't have windows just Hurricanes you don't have walls. Terrifying. I get it. I yeah. get it. Okay. Severe weather, sexual assault, starvation, terrorism, torture, and my favorite <laughs> is the last one on the list. <laughs> thirst. Call out to Titus. Call out to Titus. That, uh... <laughs> yeah. no, I think they, they put thirst. They put thirst on there to avoid, I think, having dehydration on there, but it just doesn't go off very well. I'm 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 telling you, man. I will say, like sexual assault, like I just don't like talking about rape in my games because they're escapism, and that's like weird. Okay, but but if you're playing like a superhero game and there's like a got like a rapist in a back alley ripping at a skirt, you go in there, you save the day. That's superhero. Well, that's content. that's fundamentally different than like yeah. There, I mean, they're 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 obviously the problem with this entire thing is that it, it lacks no nuance or context specificity. Right. Right. And the other the other thing, obviously, is um, if you're going to have hellhounds, you're going to have sexual assault. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's just that's I mean, yeah, the hellhound is immunized against all dangers. Call her a, a, <laughs> yeah. an abuser. Call her like a serial molester. It, it all rolls off her like water evaporates off her like hell hot skin. <laughs> Call her a rapist. See how she rapes you. It's just rape. <laughs> <laughs> it's just rape. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that'd be I guess that'd be yellow on that one then. So you have to talk about it and well, make sure yeah, that we're talking hellhound, about hellhounds. It's okay. All, all right, other okay. occasions okay. we're not doing. But we're like the other like let, let's let's break down some of these other ones like cancer. Well, I mean, if I consent to that, am I consenting to like filthy Frank like a mouse kind of cancer, or am I consenting to like dude, I have a tumor underneath my eyeball and it's gonna make me die? Yeah. What. Yeah, what what does enthusiastic enthusiastic consent to cancer mean? Uh, police aggression. <laughs> I mean, d yeah, if that's... I don't consent to that, then I guess Gee. you just can't play Sigmata. Is this is this the new way we defeat Sigmata? We just oh, go into Sigmata games and just don't consent yeah, to any point. police aggression. That's You're a good right. Idea. The entire point of Sigmata is ruined by saying red light on police aggression. Holy crap! You can't you can't LARP as an anarchist if you. Don't have police and terrorism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and terrorism. Ter yeah. I think that terrorism is one of the most interesting things to explore through games. Um, I think because I think her I think terrorism is a is a very interesting literary concept because it it has a lot of, uh, it has a lot of very interesting sort of moral metapolitical implications that can be explored thematically, in a way that that like hasn't really been explored uh, by uh, previous um, previous works in literary canons. So there's a lot of unanswered thematic questioning that can be done. Yeah, but it all depends on perspective because we have this underdog culture that roots for the rebels and uh, revolutionaries and the, the freedom alliance against the evil oppressive empire. They're just terrorists. Well, I mean, but terrorism is just violence uh, inflicted randomly to increase one's bargaining power against a more powerful force. So in theory, one can be a terrorist for anything, and that's what makes it such an interesting concept to me. 
you can explore terrorism from many, 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 many angles, and it never ceases to be boring because of how deep and intricate it all is. Many, many shekels. That's why we're making uh, the uh, a hack of uh, Powered by Sigmata coming out here soon. A uh, siege powered <laughs> by Sigmata. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Very good. Uh, siege siege R- Mata. Si- yeah, Siege Mata, the, the Siege RPG. Uh, <laughs> where, where instead of like getting magical powers from like uh, from like listening to the radio, you just do meth and shoot your mailman. <laughs> no, no, you gotta read. No, instead of, instead of the signal, it's the book Siege. You read Siege, and you gotta and then pass you do the, math, you gotta and that's how you get your powers. Siege. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you pass Siege around. The, the, the game, the game ends when uh, when you and your Wignat bros, uh, you all you all finally escape and move to Belize. Move to that's Belize, the goal, yeah. yeah. And that's that's a waypoint on the chase thing. That's the waypoint. The, yeah, the final waypoint. The final waypoint is is Belize. And like like <laughs> yes. you you don't have like uh, the ideologies in there aren't necessarily the same anymore. Like the ideologies you got like Wignat, Optics Cuck, like Tradcath. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, there you go. I, like the four. Yeah. And then what what would be the other one? What would be the other one? Um. Oh, Anarexburg. Uh, Anarexburg. So like. Anarexburg. That's a good one. You gotta have like the uh, the racist bougie like Richard well, Spencer. Well, Richard types. Spencer more like the NRXburg type, like okay, and then, like right. you got reactionary Spurg. You've got trad or a uh, trad Christian Larper, which basically goes orthodox, orthodox and uh, orthodox and Catholics go in there. You got Wignat Larper, and you've got like optics cuck, and those are those are your classes, right? Actually, it's remarkable how closely that ties into the factions that are presented in Sigma. No, I know. I mean, but, but that's, that's, I mean, and this is this is the RPG. Just do meth and you fight the police. <laughs> <laughs> and you're opposed by like enemy meth readers, like the hardcore Antifa who read the leftist version of Siege. The, the, uh, no, they, they read like um, they read like uh, the Anarchist Cookbook. And they're just throwing piss bottles do, at and you. And they do their own their their own evil version of meth. HRT. They do HRT. <laughs> <laughs> oh god hrt That's and jacob see, see this is this is why like and jacob hrt and J- oh lord this is no no see there are different factions so like the blm people <laughs> yeah. they do jankum and then you get the antifa and they do hrt yeah and you get the police and they do roids and you and your you and your fashy comrades do meth <laughs> <laughs> you heard oh, it here no. too first folks uh pervitin and meth white man's drug <laughs> you've got like fail states for each one like the optics cucks go on a purity spiral and break off and join the global well homo. no the fail state for each one is literally purity spiral and rat out your comrades yeah yeah it literally is yeah. infighting each one of them ends in infighting yeah purity spiral based <laughs> infight <laughs> You've got you've got your international support where you try to appeal to Poland. You you, you try to appeal. <laughs> no, that the meme is like international support, and you're trying to appeal to like uh Italy, Brazil, Poland, but Russia. they don't answer <laughs> ever. <laughs> no, they don't answer. They never answer. <laughs> There's no answer. Like <laughs> this is so good. Oh man, I love it. I love it too much. And, and your <laughs> skills, like you can, you can either pick like uh, you can pick like one university skill or two trade skills. <laughs> well, okay, so in the original, it's a uh, it's all computer themed, right? Pro- the quad core processor, remember? Yeah, yeah. You got the uh, you got the whatever the the blades that you attach. So I- what would be our theme if not computers? Would it be like something like industrial? No, we're not gonna we're not gonna have like a theme like that. We're just gonna have stats that make sense. 
Well, then it's not a hack. Well, we're not hacking. We, we don't want to hack it. We're just going to be insp not inspired. We're uh, just going to uh. make, like, a better version that isn't 300 pages of fluff because, like, it's just memes. 330 pages, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, uh, we could we could include, <sighs> like, a... I actually feel like maybe hacking bits of Ryutama off and adding them in with, like, you have a condition <laughs> check <laughs> and then you, you increase it by, like, looking at waifu pictures, unless you're a trad calf, in which case, like... Or, or, like, a trad Christian, in which case you, like, you have to, like, signal about your fast or whatever you're doing. Um, and you that's go, where you yeah. get your condition from. So, like, everyone else is, like, trading around methamphetamine and, like, pictures of anime girls. And you're, like, in the corner, like, uh, trying to tell them about, like, uh, the liturgical calendar or something and nobody cares. <laughs> you're boasting about what saint day it is and how many Hail Marys you've done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is see this would be a great game like uh, this this would be very hilarious and fun for like right all... so at the at the first uh at the first little con we'll we'll be running this game yeah we'll yes. be running uh, we'll be running a siege mata siege siege mata, <laughs> siege mata. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is okay. Oh. All right. Well, that that was the I end mean, of the I mean, consent uh, uh, wait, uh, checklist. Hey, hey, I got a I got a great idea for Siege Mata though, because we can we can also plan like subsequent like splat book releases, right? Like mm -hmm. we could add ketamine Yoda. No, all right. Ketamine and not all right. Siege Mata is canceled. <laughs> Never mind. Go pack up your bags. Uh, go home. We've gone too far. No. All right. Um. Yeah. How about we? Uh, here's an idea. How about we attach the uh consent checklist to the show notes, and if okay. you guys want to fill these out, oh yes, uh, the, you, you the listener, fill these out and post your filled out version, like upload it to Imgur or something. And in additional topics, be sure to add ketamine Yona and and uh, hit that green square for me. Hashtag me on Twitter, ketamine Yoda. <laughs> God, uh, dude, why is this but so but but seriously, send me send me a uh, send me a filled out consent checklist, and we'll talk about it on Twitter. It'll yeah, well, we'll talk we'll talk all about like any every consent checklist we get, we'll go over them. <laughs> What's your Twitter, Jack? My Twitter is at Jack Karenet. That's two K's, not three, because that's bad optics. Uh, two K's, <laughs> Jack Karenet, K A R O N E T. All right. Well, we'll put both of those in the uh, show notes and uh, send those in if you want to. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. We'll we'll go over them next time. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. I think that's it then. Uh, that. Got yeah. Else? That's the end of. Um. All right. See you, dude. So just no. Do a kick. You gotta do a kick. You gotta sign us off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, this has been Little Wars for this week. Uh, I've been your host, uh, Mongoose, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time as uh, things kick off. You can find us as always at our blog at littlewars.home.blog. We're also hosted on Right Wing Entertainment Squads and Exodus Americanus, so you can check us out there as well. I occasionally will uh -oh. post uh, uh, blog posts, did, and blogs, did and things. His, and did his Discord crap out? I hope it was his Discord and not his computer froze. Yeah, uh -oh. this is my Discord, definitely. My audacity's still recording. Well, at least it decided to crap out at the very end. If his computer froze, he would have lost the recording. Oh, fuck. No. No, that was such a good episode, too. Hopefully it's just his internet. Anyway, uh, that that's all. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Little Wars. For more traditional gaming autism, head over to littlewars.home.blog. 
That's littlewars, all together, no spaces, dot home, dot blog. Have a great week, and many epic gamer moments. That first